0: Sports fans, my name is Danielle McCartan. We are entering McCartan after midnight territory here, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up till 6 a.m. on this late, what is it, Wednesday night or early Thursday morning? I've been working so much, I literally don't know what day it is. But we are here on an early, early Thursday morning here in New York City and beyond. So, whatever you're doing at the moment, appreciate you tuning into this show right now and throughout the rest of the next four hours, whether that be on your car, terrestrial radio, Streaming from WFAN.com or on that free Odyssey app. So, welcome night owls and welcome early birds that are out there catching worms. And of course, we are here in the Carter Roberts studio slash Mike Francesa studio here uh, in Lower Manhattan. And go ahead, start dialing 877-337-6666. I'm taking your calls right here in this first segment, so let's get aboard. Uh, I've got uh, also, too, for your programming note, I've got Matt Sims joining us in the 4 a.m. hour with a really candid discussion about the quarterback situation for the Jets and Matt is always a great guest so if you're interested in that honestly to me it's it's can't miss but you know it's in the 4 a.m. hour um and uh, it ex- it is exactly 2, mi- two uh, it is exactly 2 a.m. 3 minutes and 30 seconds on the morning of Thursday December 29th 2022 forget the NORAD sander tracker Where is the Carlos Correa tracker? We have just entered into this, what is it, the seventh day that there has been complete silence from both Mets camp and from Correa Boris camp. And the Carlos Correa watch is is still on hold. And for, for what it's worth, I'll repeat, I am really not concerned with how long it's taking. I'm not. To me, this time that has elapsed, to me means that you know both parties are going really carefully, really diligently, maybe line by line, to include these contractual details that are probably essentially just going to protect the Mets from any potential trips to the IL for Korea. And as I said this time yesterday, almost exactly to the minute this time yesterday, I mean, we all have learned that the rules of, you know, traditional time, Does not apply to Steve Cohen in terms of getting stuff done. So, again, I'll say this you and me, both of us, and Pete Kennedy, too, all three of us, we are going to keep our eyes peeled to Twitter for any Carlos Correa announcements that may or may not come through over the next four hours that we are going to be together. So, fingers crossed for some breaking news tonight. But this is not exactly where I wanted to go with this tonight. Um, I was intrigued, and I have been intrigued over the past uh, week or so, by this concept of of Steve Cohen single-handedly forcing the change of how Major League Baseball owners spend their money. And yeah, sure, there was the, I'm not going to spend like a drunken sailor comment in his introductory press conference as owner, but... That was clearly, as we know now, we could sit back and point to it and say that was clearly Steve Cohen being on his quote-unquote best behavior, if you will, to kick off his tenure as Mets owner and as the as first-time team owner, really. And a clear, and, and as we look at it now, it, it was a clear, egregious way to placate the rest of the owners in the beginning. And now, well, that's a different story. On December 9th, so today's what, the 29th, so 20 days ago, Anthony DeComo tweeted, Mets owner Steve Cohen has spent almost $400 million on new player contracts this offseason or a little more than 2% of his reported net worth. That was before the Carlos Correa deal, which was originally announced early on December 21st. So now you factor in that offer of $315 million over the next 12 years. That was the original offer. Okay. We haven't heard anything different. The baseball community, we have not heard anything different uh, since that offer. Uh, we also heard the baseball community that uh, Carlos Correa was not going to take a discount based on his medicals. So anyway, so the original offer was 315 over the next 12. And now you've got all these owners that are like, up in arms about how much Steve Cohen has spent. Owners that explicitly decided to put another highest level of luxury tax into the matrix to essentially try to cap, like salary cap, the spending of Steve Cohen. And now that tax is colloquially known as, as the Steve Cohen tax. I mean, it's basically named after him. And even... I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but there are even some Mets fans that are actually unhappy with the spending. Like, are you kidding me? You know what those people are? Those people are just straight up miserable people that love to call up the fan at 877-337-6666. They love to call up here and they love to complain about the Wilpons never opening up their pocketbooks. And now they're complaining about Steve Cohen spending too much money. You know what these people, these people are just people that you can never make happy. But back to the owners. You know, at first I said to myself, well, wow, this, this is just not fair. It's just not. Initially, right away, I I started thinking about this actually at school as I was walking back from the bathroom to my classroom. It's a long walk. So I started thinking about my, to myself and I was like, "This, this isn't fair. This isn't fair, especially to those small market teams. And I kind of had a little flashback as I'm walking down past the, the cafeteria area and past the band room and the chorus room and every other room to get to mine. But I thought back to to sitting in the car with the Uber driver in San Diego. I, took, I had taken the Petco Park tour um, and just the tour, like a daytime tour. And I was taking an Uber back to my hotel room, which was in Little Italy, by the way, Little Italy, San Diego. And um, probably could have walked it, probably could have, looking back. But anyway, I'm glad I didn't. It was maybe the year, what was it, the year 2018, February. It was February break, 2018 maybe. And uh, I'm glad I took the ride because, you know, I, I thought about how, you know, on that tour, I, I learned about the mentality of, of of Padres fans. I really kind of put myself in their shoes and, and how, how different— it is, you know, there than it is here. Like, here, we, no matter what fan are you of whatever team, professional team, whatever it is, we take pride in championships here. Like, the Yankees, ALCS, they made it there. To me, it was a failure last year. Mission failed. Okay, so the Padres fans, like, they take And I know I'm generalizing, but I feel like he was speaking for all of them when he was telling me this. They take pride in their players that went on to win championships. We are not the same. For example, he pointed to to Dave Winfield. Uh, He was a player who was inducted to the Padres Hall of Fame in the year 2000. Uh, The Uber driver, he continued to explain, oh, you know, Dave Winfield, he came up with the Padres. He played like eight, seven, eight years here. And then he went on to win a World Series in Toronto. That's great. We are so happy for him. And I'm sitting in the back seat like, what? And then we talked about, you know, small market, big market, right, at that point. And by the way, before I got out of the car, that, you know, continue the conversation. But before I got out of the car, he looked at me in the rearview mirror and he goes, you know a lot about baseball. And I didn't I didn't tell him (laughs) I didn't want to get into it. But um, he, he talked about like he was like, oh, the window for the Padres is just so small to actually just, you know, go for it. Where like team like the Yankees, they're always like in it. Again, this was 2018, right? So, you know, I kind of felt bad for him, and I felt bad for the small market market fans. And just the past couple of days, I started to juxtapose that in my mind against the Steve Cohen spending spree of this offseason here in New York, major market New York. And now I came up with this essential question as I'm opening my classroom door, and I'm like, is Steve Cohen's willingness to spend money bad for baseball? And there's such, it's just... A complex question. There's there so many layers to it. Really, there really are. But for, for players, it certainly isn't. That's an easy answer. For players, it's great. I mean, even if they don't intend to sign with the Mets, they, they contact Steve Cohen, it, it drives up the price. Right? So, yeah, I started poking around on the internet about this, you know, and, and I came up with an um, article from The Athletic. It was Evan Drellick, and And if you know uh, anything about him, I, I was a huge fan of his during the lockout. You know, he was on top of it. So he's great. But um, he had a quote from a small market executive, and it said, our sport feels broken now. We've got somebody with three times the median payroll and has no care, this is Steve Cohen, by the way, I'm talking about, has no care whatsoever for the long term of any of these contracts in terms of the risk associated with any of them. How exactly does this work? I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. That was a small market executive to The Athletic. And so I I would say that median payroll has been set by the fraternity, by the boys club of owners themselves. Like just as because that's where it is, doesn't mean that that's where it has to stay or, or, or it's not going to change, you know, and, and don't forget those small market teams, you know, they get a cut of the dollars paid for, for each team that exceeds whatever level of luxury tax. That's literally what the luxury tax is there for. and, If they don't spend that money that they have accrued from the rest of the team's overspendings on their own teams, on reinvesting for their own teams, well, then to me, that's their problem. So, like, in this year's Mets, for example, right, 2023 Mets, every dollar uh, over, over that final luxury tax threshold, the Steve Cohen tax threshold, would have been taxed at 75% in the old collective bargaining agreement. It's taxed at 90% now, every dollar. So you know how that translates to me? I read that and I say, well, those small market teams are going to be raking in even more cash from the stream. That stream anyway. Multiple streams come in, by the way. And here's the other thing, another stream. Talk about TV money. You know what? Twenty. Let me take a step back. There are 30 Major League Baseball teams, 30 MLB teams, 30 owners, ownership groups, whatever. 24 of the 30 are billionaires with a B. And 13 of those 24 billionaires, owners, are worth over $3.5 billion. $3.5 billion with a B or more. So uh, that translates to me that they can spend the money like Steve Cohen is. They're just choosing not to. And again, that's their problem. And then the TV stream, the TV money. What about this? Every team this year will be making at least $100 million in TV money at the start of this upcoming season. $100 million. The Post stated that, "quote that is a a value that around half the league does not invest in its teams each year." End quote from the Post. So if you're if you're taking in all of this money from all of these different places, and you're not reinvesting it on your team, I mean, really, truly, I mean, bang the gavel. I mean, that's that's case in point. If you don't want to spend the cash to improve. Your own team. This is my one of my favorite expressions. That's a you problem. So shut up and stop complaining about it. That's how I feel. So after a week of kind of percolating on that, that's what I came out with. I want to know what you think. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard as I snap this Derek Carr uh, screenshot here on the TV here. I'm going to use that for later. That was pretty good. A couple stats of how he has performed over this past season. Oh, that was that was good. We'll talk about Derek Carr coming up in a little bit. Um, all right, to the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Kevin in Camden is leading off tonight. Kevin, what's up?
1: What's up, Coach? How are you? Great. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk about the, uh, the match, and I'll do a little bit of football at the end. Okay. But it's not this career thing. I, I read this earlier on Twitter, that they, the Mets are worried about the back half of the deal. Look, all right, look, but I get the leg is surgically repaired. I get it could, you know, the piece of metal in his leg, it might wear off. I don't, I don't, I can give a rat's butt about the back end of a deal. If you're at the Mets, you, you just said it last night and you said it early, you have to win now. I'm not worried about the back end of the deal. I want to win. Yeah. I don't care how much money Steve Cohen is spending. I don't care about the owners complaining. I want to freaking win because, look, I'm, I haven't seen, I've never seen the Mets win. I'm 96 I wasn't even born, so I have never seen them win. I want to see my team win. And it's just, I, it's
2: just
1: like, I don't understand most people grabbing about. Oh, I've I, I raised some people. Oh, I'm giving up my career. You guys got to be patient. Patience is a virtue. And I know it's not impossible, but you got the guys got to, come on. Not, I mean, seriously, this career thing, I, I, it's just so frustrating. And then Morose, I don't know if you saw what he said uh, uh, yesterday morning on uh, Hot stove. I don't know if you saw. No, that.
0: I didn't see it. What do you say?
1: He was saying that the Mets are uh, working and career are still working on contract restructures and um, clauses, and it's also the holiday season, which is why it's taking a little bit longer. Well, that's, but, I mean, you got to well,
0: understand, well, that's okay, right?
1: Yeah, I'm all right with that. And and one rival executive, Pomerosi, believes it's still going to get done. So Mets fans, be patient. But I'm telling you, the complaining by the owners it, for for me, I mean, it's like you just said they didn't spend it's their problem so this is just for me too bad if you don't like it too bad too bad they have to the Mets have to get this done there is no plan b for this you don't get this done it's a failure of an offseason I'm sorry you can stay with the pitching all you want but you need a bat in there yeah a impact bat because you look at Philly you look at the Braves you're not going to win the division with the same lineup that you put up last year.
3: Yeah, well, exactly.
1: You need a A plus bat in there. So,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I, and also too, in this Mets team, and we'll talk about it maybe a little bit later, but they did yeah. nothing to address the DH position. I mean, that's a like Absolutely. that's a perfect place yep. to insert a bat. You know, you can you can Darren keep Ruff, your third Darren baseman.
1: Ruff, please, don't don't even start with Darren Rush and Vogelbach. He's good, but it's he's really limited. So, I mean, they could have. I mean, they could have gotten from Florida, They could have got some good at bats. Good, you know, Turner, I would have taken him. So, I mean... Turner, they really, he was really, top three they, on my
0: list. I know that. And they missed the boat. They
1: really slacked the ball with this. So they need to get this done. Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Yep. They need to get this done. But, uh, Kevin, I am, I am, you know, like I said in the open and I said it yesterday and even the day before, the longer this takes, it doesn't worry me. It it does not worry me. I'm the, I'm the same. I'm the same way. And real quick about
1: football, yeah. um, the Giants with Landley Collins love the move. I think he's been huge dividends. Yeah. And I'm just I'm hoping that they can win this game and we could just clinch. But Lanley Collins loved the signing. Gotta say that. Landley Collins has really been clutched the last two weeks.
0: Welcome back to New York. Yeah, and that's something that they needed and and thanks, Kevin. And they needed thanks, uh um they needed help in that second second level of defense that Giants did. You know, we talked uh, last night about the the Wink Martindale scheme and the pass rush and the secondary and on the back end there wasn't much help on the back end and I know uh, my friend Jason, he, he actually had a Landon Collins jersey way back when, a real one, authentic one. And he texted me that day that, that the Giants reacquired him, and he was like, yes, I can wear my jersey again. This is the first time this has ever happened to me. And I was like, yeah, it's the first, last time it's probably ever going to happen to you too. But uh, going back to the, the Carlos Correa thing, the longer it takes, the I, as far as I see it, the better. I mean, you would now think that they're going through it with a fine tooth comb. The Mets need Carlos Correa, and Carlos Correa does need the Mets. It's going to be symbiotic because if, if for Correa, put yourself in his shoes, if you have failed, two, if teams are not, two major league teams are not interested in you after you, after they raise questions about your physical examination, then, you know. You know, th- the third one's going to come along. I-, I know they said three other teams are interested. I find that hard to believe, especially maybe three teams for a lesser price than Steve Cohen, possibly, maybe, or else, it- why not? Why didn't it get done yet, right? So, of course, it's less. So, uh, you know, if you're, the- if you're a Met fan and you're sitting there like, oh, my God, oh, my God, three other teams, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I would view it as the Mets are, are insulating and they are protecting themselves, the team, the unit, the organization, from a bad contract. And as Kevin said, the back end of it—I mean, look at Aaron Judge. There's worry on the back end of that too. Look at all these deals: twelve years here, ten years there. There's always worry on the back end of any contract. Just go and do it. Just do it. That's my advice. I mean, as far as and the Jets too. Just do it. I mean, there there are veteran quarterback away from winning. Dare I say the word Super Bowl? But let's say maybe the AFC. But, um, you know, the small market, big market team, about spending the money, all that, you know, I, I, I told you, in the beginning, initially, I was kind of like, oh, man, yeah, that is kind of bad for baseball. You know, like, how are these little guys, how are they, the the Pirates ever going to compete? How are the, you know, uh, the, at the time, 2018, Padres ever going to compete or the, or the Reds? You know, well, Reds are an original franchise, but, you know, you know where I'm going. But initially, I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of bad. Yeah, it is. And then I really started to like critically think about it. And I was like, you know what? No. If all these teams are having all of this stuff coming in from all of these different places and they're not, they're choosing not to spend it. Then that's, that's their problem. Eddie in St. Augustine, Florida. You're up on a fan.
4: Hey, Danielle. Nice to finally speak with you.
0: Hey, likewise.
4: Uh you mentioned it before, but you didn't approach it with the word that I'm going to. Okay. When you said 11 teams have a payroll at or under 100 million dollars, doesn't that yell out the word collusion by the owners?
0: Wait a minute. No, I said a, a, the 100 million dollar figure was that every team is making 100 million dollars on TV contracts. Oh,
4: okay. But again, when you do have those smaller market teams that are all bringing in that revenue, yeah. and that and that accusation's made against Stephen Cohen. Mm-hmm. Uh, As a Mets fan for 55 years, Mm -hmm. I could tell you I saw the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and every other World Series winner spend a fortune. But yet now Steve Cohen does it, and the Mets are actually being titled with the term the evil empire, Mm -hmm. yet they haven't won a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean and I get you
4: it. Got the, and you got these smaller teams, the ones who are yelling and calling calling out mm-hmm. with these next to dirt low level payrolls mm-hmm. making all this shared revenue now and they're not spending it. Well, to me that's collusion. When you're letting your team's best players walk away, or if you're trading them for a penny on a dollar and you're still taking in that revenue where where are the funds going? What are you doing with
0: it? Or greediness. With, I mean, I would point I, to greediness, you know, like... Cause... Oh, yeah, of course.
4: But again, when, when you have them holding tight within a certain figure monetarily...
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. It, I know it, what you're it, saying. Yes, it, yes, it, yes. It, it, it screams collusion.
4: Yes. And it, it just blows my mind as a lifelong baseball fan and also a lifelong Mets fan. We never bought, uh, benefited from this before. But the first time we do, they're jumping the owner. Yeah. It Ah. was like, wait a minute. We looked at all these teams from the basement for years. Yep. We got a a true owner who's a true fan. Mm -hmm. He's willing to spend whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm happy being called the evil employer. That's right. But But do it after we win something first.
0: Yeah and I'm wondering and thanks for thanks for the call there Eddie and I'm wondering that uh how that would affect uh, on the back end uh, on the trade uh, you know if they need to make a trade or are owner owners going to be willing to to grant you know permission you know for the GM to make a trade with the Mets you know what i mean uh and just one thing before i i sent a break here and of course uh, your calls everybody's got on board here so but uh, uh Joe Flynn he lives in California he's a fan he listens on the Odyssey app and he said that San Diego story, he tweeted me, uh, at Coach MCCARTAN, he said that San Diego story has changed, or the narrative has changed the last couple years. Note their acquisitions and signings over the last few years. They're going head-to-head with the Dodgers every day. The Padres are a great example of the small market teams reinvesting that revenue, uh, revenue-sharing revenue money. And yes, and that's why I kept saying that was back in 2018. Good for them now. They're, they're in every single conversation. I mean, really, of every single big free agent. So good for that. Um, uh, I have opinions on it. Daniel McCartan, you have opinions on it. Um, and even good old Rob Manfred has opinions on this whole thing. That coming up next right here on The Fan. Did a full 180. I was a little late on that. <laughs> oh man, I'm Daniel McCartan with you for the next couple hours. You're stuck with me. You and me till six and Pete Kennedy on the ones and twos and behind the glass um. Yeah, so let's, let's get right back into it. So this whole thing about Steve Cohen, uh, I clearly have a clear opinion on it. A lot of tweeters do. A lot of callers do. You know who has an opinion on it? Oh, good old Rob Manfred, the good old moral compass of Major League Baseball, who completely fumbled and botched the entire Astros uh, investigation. But hey, it's just my opinion. Talked about that live while it was going on uh, in detail. So the whole debate of, of is Steve Cohen's spending spree good for baseball or not? I vote yes. Of course, you're taking your Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets. I love when it's like a smorgasbord of different things, okay? So hang on there. But uh, is it good for baseball? Ultimately, after thinking really critically about this, I voted yes. And uh, tell me what your vote is. You know what we should do? I, I You know what? I might right now have to put up a poll on Twitter here. Is Steve – I'm typing it right now. Is Steve Cohen's spending spree – Quotes good for baseball. There it is. Let me slam that up here. Yes or no? There is no you can't make a good argument if you have a middle ground. Sorry. Yes or no? Is Steve Cohen's spending spree good for baseball? There it is. Tweet. Go ahead, get your vote in at Coach McCartan. You know who else has an opinion? Oh, good old Commissioner Manfred. He said, and this was generally speaking, you know, at the winter meetings, not in particular about the Mets. Although you can infer that that's what he was talking about. He said, I think everyone in this room understands that we have a level of revenue disparity in this sport, and it makes it impossible for some of our markets to compete at some of the numbers that we've seen. And you know, that's not a positive. That, according to Rob Manfred at the winter meetings. And to me, I don't know, the whole thing is just exciting. I mean, the spending of the money, like hot stove is hotter than ever, earlier than ever, it seems. And I think... You know, the money brings eyes back to baseball, like it does in the sport of basketball, makes it relevant again. Like kids at school are starting to talk about baseball again. I have a kid in one of my classes. He wears a Yankee shirt every day of the week. It's a jersey or a t shirt or Lou Gehrig he has. He has, you know what I mean? And one day he wasn't wearing one. And I said, What happened? What happened to your Yankee rotation of t shirts, kid? And he was like, My mom told me I can't wear baseball stuff every day i have to start mixing in regular stuff and I, was, I laughed out loud but it's good you know he's a young kid he's getting back into it it's exciting i mean he was on aaron judge watch with me too that day that whole day i wrote it on my board i tweeted it i mean i, I tweeted a picture of my board so i, don't know, I mean raise your hand if, if you were not excited to hear the carlos Correa news when you woke up that wednesday morning yeah nobody everybody was you know what made that happen money competition It's good for baseball. And Val in the Bronx wants to chime in. Go ahead, Val. Is this Coach D? This is me. Oh,
4: man, I haven't spoken to you in a very, very long time. I know you got a lot of callers, but I need a minute with you. You got it. This is the coach that reads, right? The coach that reads. You have like a book club or
0: something like that. Oh that yeah, yes, yes.
4: This is the coast that reads. This is me. Yeah, I, I I remember I spoke to you a while ago. I hope you picked up that book on the beach. Neville Shute. You know what? I don't I, know. That... I,
0: I never did. I had a Tom Coughlin book in the in the queue here on the shoot. I'm gonna have to look that back up.
4: No, on the beach by Neville Shute.
0: Oh, on the beach. Okay, I got it.
4: But um, yeah, I remember you, you you um you had a couple of really good interviews with uh some some other writers. And it was one you did one time, I think. Was it on the the Nets? The history of the Nets? Oh, yeah. 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 This is Coach D. Nice talking to you again. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I was listening to you yesterday and I actually wanted to call in. Every time I hear your voice, I become more and more of a fan. Oh, thank you. I am such a ghost face killer fan. It's not (laughs) even. He is my favorite (sighs) out of everybody. Yeah. Actually, no. He's like one A. Riz is one A. You know, like one A, one A, one A, one B, whatever you yeah, want to yeah. call it.
0: But well, I, I saw him in that, and we're talking about uh, who I saw at the Jet game when I went on Thursday night football, and I was like, do I go up to him? I waited for someone else to go up to him, and then and then I did. Well, he was he seemed really cool with taking pictures. so I was like, all right, let me slide right in there. That was pretty yeah, cool. I
4: was I, I was slow when I heard you say it. the only thing that broke my heart was when you said he said he was a Packers
0: fan. I was yeah, like, oh, that's aw, what he told me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, ah, oh, you're a big Jet He's like, nah, man, I'm a Packers fan. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's the one thing that broke me. But
4: um, just to get into what I wanted to talk to you about, I got two points that I wanted to make with you. And the first one was about that conversation that you were having. Mm-hmm. And I guess every time it comes around with like, you know, when people start talking about contracts, hot slope comes around off season, even mm-hmm. during the season, excuse me, when people are projecting what somebody might get and stuff like that, you hear a lot of these. And all respect is due. I'm not trying to cut anybody. But you get a lot of these calls from the old timers talking about this is going to kill the sport and this, that, and the other third. Look, check this out. You said it so perfectly. That's a you problem. These mm-hmm. people are getting money on top of money on top of money because these things are happening. If anything, they should be happy. And they're doing it tongue-in-cheek, like talking out of both sides of their mouth because they're pocketing the extra money that they get from their revenue sharing. Right. And then complaining about the fact that the guy is spending too much money. Right. Not for nothing. I remember hearing the story about where the term bang bang came from and i was told that that was because way way back in the days when ballplayers used to have to work jobs in the off season and sometimes during the season they like there were a lot of them that were working yeah. in these packing factories yep and one guy would get a box and throw it to the next guy throw it to the next guy it would be mm-hmm. up on a truck and that's what they called bang bang mm. okay and the fact that you know finally people are actually getting paid what they're worth what the market dictates and the owners are not holding on to all of the money, mm-hmm. is only a positive thing for the right. players. Right. The fact that they're actually trying to correct it by doing the revenue sharing is only a positive thing for the small market teams. Mm-hmm. Some of them want to actually be major league teams that are playing like a minor league uh, kind of thing where they just yeah. like a farm system yeah. for everybody else. That's right. a you problem. That's right. not a us problem. Right. And I'm not even a Mets fan. I'm a Yankees fan.
0: And they should want him to keep continuing blowing by these thresholds. You want to know why? Because that means they get more money out of it. Thank you. Thank you. That's
4: another thing, too. And so to get to my second point, though, you know, but I, 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 every t- I'm, I'm going to get to my second point. But I was so happy that you said it because every time one of these conversations come on, you get call, 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 and then you hear this guy come in and call. Oh, how much more do they want? You're killing the game. Shut up with that. That's an old, old argument to yeah. get to my second point, And again, like I said, I'm a Yankees fan, but for Mets fans out there, I'm going to tell you right now, just relax. You're going to get your guy.
3: Yeah, I this, agree.
4: From the, from the minute it happened, okay, and I was actually listening to the fan, the, the Wednesday morning when the story broke at around 2.40. And it was such a big story that I was, I was leaving work and on my way to the train station. I passed a building and a doorman who I don't even know ran outside and was jumping for joy. And I said, <laughs> you just heard it, too. And he looked at me and said, yeah, yeah. you were listening to the Fed. I said, yes, I was. Yes. That should tell you how big that story was. Yes. At the same time, though, the reason why the Mets were actually able to get in that is the same reason that's going to keep them in it right now. Because I personally think when that first happened and it, the, the Giants actually postponed their press conference and then he started yep. hearing the talk after. Yeah. Probably in my mind, and this is just me speculating, what I think happened is that their medical staff looked at something and whatever it was was significant enough that it, not that it caused them to pause in terms of making the deal, but it caused them to pause in terms of how much guaranteed money in terms of time, the length of the contract that they were actually going to do. And they tried to sit down and renegotiate with Boris. And that was the reason for the delay. And Boris, knowing he had a trump card with the Mets in his hand, Said, all right, forget this. And he moved and pivoted to something else.
3: Right. And, and of the course... The Mets
4: in turn, the Mets in turn come around now and they get their opportunity. They go gun ho in and their medical staff does the same thing. And they, it's not that they're not trying to do the deal, but whatever it is, long-term, right. in terms of guaranteed money, cause them pause. And they're just trying to... Neg- Maybe they want to knock off two or three years Probably, off of it. Right? Maybe they want to discuss money or something right. like and that. Val, but here's that's the thing. all that is. Val, if and you- the longer it goes on is even better for you because i think so i heard people saying the longer it goes is a bad thing no but i think it's a good thing because that means that nobody else is really pushing the needle exactly and pressing up on boris and right. that's why you have time to work it out right coach d it is always a pleasure to listen to you and to talk to you and also one other thing do not because all the real ones that listen on the radio all we want to do is get a chance to call in to have a conversation with whoever's on the air share some of their expertise Talk about sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, football. Anybody that's calling you or sending you some email talking about, let me get this and let me get that with an autograph, and then you turn around and <laughs> you see them selling it, that is not us. Yeah, yeah, Those are the rogue people. Stay away from them, but please don't take it out on us because we love No, no, no. Have Here's a t- good night, Coach <laughs> <C>. Have <laughs> thanks, a beautiful, thanks, beautiful night.
0: Thank you, you a too. Beautiful- Oops, sorry about that. Oh, I'm sorry, Val. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, so that was the story from last night where – I sent out, you know, someone asked for it, sent me a letter here, paid for a stamp and everything, sent a letter and asked for an autograph. So I sent it back and then my students found it on um, on eBay for $37.97 and ninety seven cents and seven ninety nine shipping. <laughs> I was like floored. And actually, oh, I forgot to mention this last night. Eric, it, it was in Ronkonkoma, by the way. And Eric in Ronkonkoma sent me a message on Facebook. He's like, that wasn't me. No, the guy's name wasn't Eric. I don't know what it was, but uh, it wasn't Eric. That was not Eric from Conkoma selling my autograph on the Internet, just so you know.
5: Just like it was important for us to clear the name of Luca Doncic's fingernails, we needed to clear the name of Eric and Conkoma, one of the most loyal fan callers we got.
0: I know, and by the way, for doing that, for making fun of Luca Doncic's nails and RJ Barrett's nails, I actually broke mine pretty far down, and it still hurts.
5: That's one of the sneaky pains. God punish me. It's one of the sneaky pains that really affects you in more things than it should right
0: i know all right can we get can we get nana in here real quick okay hey all right so we go to muncie new york now Nene, hey thanks for hanging in there Nene. go ahead
4: yeah hello hi dan how are you
6: How you doing yeah i want to talk to you about the jets i know there there are probably plenty of speakers already about the jets but i'm coming from a whole different perspective here yeah um i froze my ass off at that jet jaguar
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know i was there i was also there I was, but we had we had indoor indoor outdoor seats, so we kept going in and out. So yeah, I I do feel the pain for that terrible game that it was. He just oh, I don't know why that was so. He froze his ass off at the game.
5: Maybe he was just jealous of your seats, and it sounded like there was a chuckle going on. It back sounded there. like there
0: were two people on that phone.
5: Somebody was doing a, some sort of haha.
0: Well, you froze your ass off at the game. Yeah, it was cold, and it was rainy, and it was damp.
5: He, maybe he's still thawing out. It was more of a stutter.
0: <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but uh, yeah, we, we were lucky to have indoor-outdoor seats, so uh, we did not freeze.
5: But as soon as we opened the car door, it, it was like,
0: oh, man, run into the stadium.
5: <laughs> Let me ask you a question, though, since Nene didn't really get a Jets point in. Yeah. Can I ask you one quick Jets question before we go to break? Go ahead. Where is your confidence moving throughout this week as you're constantly talking about it, right? This is your third time on Mm -hmm. already this week. You're on Mm -hmm. one more time. The more you think about this weekend's game and the Jets in general, for for the Seahawks on Sunday, is your confidence going positive or negative? Because I feel like the more I think about it, the more I'm getting confused and I want to see if you got uh, a lean in a direction. I don't know. You know, I, I, I checked just
3: before,
0: an hour ago, they're still favored in Seattle and I'm confused by that.
5: I don't know. The Seahawks have been struggling. They have been. They've been getting beat up on defense, and if there's any defense right now that the Jets need to play as one that's getting a little down on their luck, that's, that's the Seahawks' defense. So it might help the Jets out. The Mike White bump, and obviously the way spreads move deals greatly with how much money is going on which side. Yeah. A- and with people backing Mike White, I'm actually seeing right now live here pick Down to a pick em. So maybe... Maybe some money's coming in on Seattle and moving in the back in that I direction. Know. I mean,
0: I'm just thinking I all I think of is how I was there at the draft as a fan when Geno Smith was booed and I booed him. That booed not him. I booed the pick. Like the pick was an awful pick at the time. And all I'm worried about is Geno Smith going out there, using all of his weapons at his disposal and just blowing the Jets out. You know, oh yeah, you let me go. Well, here's here's what you're missing out on, kind of thing. So S- something about
5: not writing back, right? What was his quote earlier in the year? Oh, know. the haters are writing. I'm not writing back. Well, there's probably some here in New York who are lingering,
0: right? <laughs> All right, so we got a couple of Mets, Jets, owners, Correa. Oh, we got a big mishmash on the phone. All right, so we're gonna go back to to the Mets to Carlos Correa. Watch two forty three in the morning. Still nothing. And um, hey, maybe your confidence level in the Jets moving into this week seventeen matchup in Seattle. My name is Daniel McCartan. With you till six here on The Fan. This is a Ghostface Killer Get the Money. This is, you know, this is a nice, neat package by Pete Kennedy on the ones and twos tying in the Ghostface Killer uh, interaction I had at the Jet game with the Get the Money about this whole baseball discussion we've been having. And I I got, this kind of sent me into uh, a... a creative mode, that's not the right word, but I got a tweet from John Rossi, at Coach M C C A R T A N, and he referenced the the Oakland Athletics owner, and then he referenced their payroll. And he said they pocket the money if they wanted to, if they wanted to, they could spend more. Okay, so then that kind of put me on this commercial break onto a little scavenger hunt. Okay, so the owner of the Oakland A's, his name is John Fisher. He is now worth 1 I'm sorry. He is now worth 2.3 billion with the B dollars. When he bought the Oakland A's in 2005, so what 15, 17 years ago, he uh, he bought the Oakland A's. By the way, now he's worth 1.2.3 billion. He bought the Oakland A's for 180 million dollars in 2005. The Oakland Athletics are valued at $1.2 billion. That's a huge difference. Now they are worth $1.2 billion. They bought them for $180 million. Okay. He's worth $1.3 billion. I keep saying that $2.3 billion. You look at the Oakland A's payroll. The projected payroll from spottrack.com for the Oakland A's $49 million. That. That is a disgrace to the game of baseball. It's not spending the money. It's not a spending ceiling. And thanks for that, John. You, you put me into a little creative mode there. It's not the spending of the money. The biggest disappointment coming out at CBA was that there was no floor, it, luxury, you know, luxury tax floor, payroll floor. Because you look, at, I mean, their highest I just had it up. Their their highest paid player on the books. Trevor May, and he's making base salary $6 million. The rest of them, there's one, two, three, four other veteran contracts. I never heard of any of these guys. Well, maybe Diaz. But the rest of them, all arbitration or pre-arbitration. This is a minor league team in Oakland in a brutally bad ballpark, and they want a new one. Why do they deserve a new one? No they deserve a relocation to las vegas and and, a, and so you know what I'm saying like so Steve Cohen spending the money is not the issue. it's people that are not spending the money. that's the issue Rich in freeport. you're up on the fan,
7: hey Daniel, how are you?
0: good, good how are you?
7: I'm doing well doing well um
4: um first of all i I totally agree. I think that uh Steve Cohen is definitely good for baseball, and I just voted yes on the site on Twitter and um I think that um, he's done playing nice. He's done playing nice.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: He thought that the other play, uh, the other organizations weren't playing nice with him. Um, they were asked. They were trying to fleece us on basically every single trade that we tried to make this past um, this past summer, and you know that's the reason why I think Billy basically said, you know what, it's not even worth it if you're going to be if if the asking price is going to be so high we're going to have to explore some other avenue and yep. that's what they did mm-hmm. you know and i'll be honest with you i think that you know he said all right you know all right you want me to take the gloves off i'm going to take the gloves off yep. and this is this is what i'm going to have to do to protect my investment my team this organization because quite honestly you know remember that executive that came out and said well you know they're not playing nice anymore don't you know, I hope they're not expecting anybody to do them any favors from now on, or something like mm. that. Extent. Yeah. And wait a second. You know, you know, like the previous caller said, I, I I do believe that there was some some sort of colluding. I believe that colluding collusion has been a, a, a part of these owners for quite some time to just basically keep the price level low on these players, mm-hmm. and this is that. I believe has been in effect for quite some time, and I'll be honest with you. Remember that report where they said that uh, Hal and and Steve were colluding to uh, not, you know, bid on each other's plays? Right. And you know, I'll be honest with you. I
3: didn't I like think
4: that, that though. Be, it, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I don't think that it, it, there's anything to it. But if it did, I'll be honest with you. They know that the target is on our back. They know it, and you know, Hal knows it. Steve knows it. The guys in L.A., they know it, and that's why you have to build from within. And that's why L.A.'s uh, blueprint is the ideal one that Steve is trying to emulate and trying to basically put in place here, which is basically hold on to your top prospects, hold on to your farm system, and be able to develop for longevity for for sustaining success. And I think that, you know, it's, it's basically these guys trying to cry wolf now because Steve is doing it, well, meanwhile, I, well, I think they're doing it just to be, basically get Rob Manfred involved and get him to make comments or maybe get involved and do something about it. But quite honestly, like you said, these guys are getting $100 million just off this TV deal yep. that they signed mm-hmm. right off the back, mm. right off the back. They're getting $100 million. not to mention all the other revenue sharing money. And I'll be honest with you, quite honestly, the ones that are coming out and you know, you know, crying wolf about it. I think that's all politics. I think that's old PR stunt moves. Because quite honestly, they're benefiting from it 100%. Yep. The more he spends, the, the more, more goes into their
8: pockets. Exactly.
4: And I'll be honest with you, teams, organizations like the Pirates, I feel bad for them. Because I'll be honest with you, that owner shouldn't even be an owner. When, when you know, he, he's getting basically um the riches on both ends because i'll be honest with you he's he's getting a ton of money that's coming in from those two things that we just mentioned and then on top of that ticket streams getting, all this other stuff getting, yeah he's getting the top he's getting the top pick every single year when it comes to the draft mm. here domestically and then when it comes to the uh, pool money um uh, uh with the international signings uh for the for the international draft which is about uh, to come up in january 15 which i'm looking forward to by the way um I hear the Mets are um, are in on two of the guys that are top on the top fifty international list, yeah. and um, supposedly they're making a big run on them. And um, hopefully, you know these guys pan out. But you know that's something that's um, you know in the horizon for for this team to to keep building from within. Um, and you know we've made great strides when it come when it came to our farm system in the last in the last two years. I would say sure, and, and, and- um, I think I. I'm sorry.
0: No, Rich, I was just going to say the plan for the Mets is probably going to be build, build through free agency until you can sustain your own program because I don't think a lot of owners Absolutely. are going to want to trade with Steve Cohen.
4: Absolutely, and I'll be honest with you. I think I think he made it abundantly clear, okay, if you guys don't want to play nice, this is what I'm going to yeah. guys You guys are forcing me to do this, and I'm just going to have to throw money at the problem until I don't even have to do that anymore. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, Daniel how how much the Dodgers payroll dropped um this, this year? I think they're down to like one hundred seventy nine right now. And this is this is the team that basically was leading all the payroll and was mm-hmm. basically through the uh thresholds of the luxury tax for many years. And look where they are. Why? Because now they have a great farm system in place. Right. They have guys that are producing guys left and right um not only that but they they have a great recruiting process and that's something that i hope steve is really investing money in on on these international guys you know because i'll be honest with you yeah, when i went to that uh, one through 50 list for the international free agents uh, availability that's mm-hmm. coming up it's amazing how many of these guys we're connected to the Dodgers. Mm. Uh, the likely party to sign them is going to be the L.A. Dodgers. It's a, it's amazing. So well, I think that's something. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, I was just saying, and thanks for the call, Rich. I got I to gotta run before the update here. But uh, great insight on that call for sure. And I'm looking, again, uh, right here, I'm looking at the the payroll for the, the Dodgers. And you're right. And you're looking at all these guys that are still either arbitration or pre-arbitration. Walker Buehler, Julio Arias, Will Smith, Dustin May. These are all like, like you know, names. These are named guys. And you wouldn't think that they're still in the arbitration process. They're like they're young, you know. Uh, do we go to break or should we continue? Continue. All right, we got one more. Let's go to, uh, let's see, Ray in Brooklyn. You're up on a fan, Ray. Go ahead.
9: Hey, Danielle.
4: I was listening to you last night. Great show. Thanks Thank for taking my call today. Thanks for making it. No problem. Hey, I just want to, um, before I get you the, the owner spending money um opinion, mm-hmm. I just want to clarify something for you. I'm not sure if they clarified it for you last night. Um, I know someone on Twitter tried to clarify for you, the um, the whole I'm a hustler thing. So it's a song by Cassidy, um, but you were absolutely right. It is Jay-Z's voice that does say those specific words. Okay. He
8: sampled, yeah, he sampled it from um, one right. of Jay-Z's songs. He there had, we go. Um, dirt Off Your Shoulder. I don't know if you yeah, ever heard that Yeah, you get that. Yeah. Dirt Off Your so Shoulder. Sampled
4: okay. It from there. All right, so, so I was half right. right.
8: Half right, half right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No problem. All right. So
4: as far as like spending the money, like I'm, I'm a Yankees fan. I have no issue with spending the money. I wish that that the Yankees would stop and put air quotes on this being so cheap and acting like such babies about going over the uh, the luxury tax uh, threshold. Um, the only so I have, you know, I had like I think the Mets should have at it. Um, the only thing that I would say I agree with like Keith and like Moose and a, um, you know a couple of guys. A couple of guys on the station, when they say it's funny though, how every Mets fan half of the city couldn't stand it when the Yankees were doing it and they chastised us for quote unquote, you know, getting in bed. With oh, yeah, I, oh, users. I, I, I
0: said that too. <laughs> and the night of Kodai Senga, I was like, Oh, how does it feel now, Mets fans? You're the ones that are spending the money and buying a champion. How does it feel now? Yeah, I said that too. The Kodai Senga uh, breaking news I had that night.
4: Yeah, but they're so hypocritical, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, listen, they should do what they're doing, and they're going to see what it's like when you spend that money and don't win a World Series. They just found out last year, last season, by the way, but now they're really going to know. But, um, yeah, so it's a little hypocritical because, like, they're, you know, they're getting in bed with Robinson Cano two times and uh, Marte, who was suspended for half a year for steroids, and now they're spending, like, you know, the quote-unquote uh, drunken sailors so every Mets fan is calling the station now, and only like two percent of them will have a problem with the spending. Whereas, you know, 100 percent of them hated the Yankees for doing it, and <laughs> <No>. we would. <laughs> so it's just a little hypocritical, that's all. But anyway, I appreciate you letting me get on and uh, voice my opinion and you have a great
0: night. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. You too. Appreciate the call. And just a quick check-in on the poll here. Is Steve Cohen's spending spree good for baseball? (laughs) Well, I know where we are and we're in New York, so 85% of you right now are saying that yes, it is. At Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter. Here's Kevin Dexter with an update. Welcome back to The Fan. In the 3 a.m. hour, we are just getting started. My name is Danielle McCartney, and then that is the song First Class. And uh, Steve Cohen is uh, working on a first-class organization over there, bringing, uh, making the Mets great again, right? Uh, I got a poll going on. Uh, is Steve Cohen's money or his spending good for baseball? Of course, in this area, I think we all agree that it is, um, based on the, the facts that, that we started talking about, how the small market teams, they're getting that money and. What are they doing with it? Especially the Oakland A's. What a shame. And uh, I got a tweet from uh, Angry Albanian. It was not an angry tweet. He said, uh, as far as your poll, he said something else, blah, blah, But he said, secondly, as far as your poll, Mr. Cohen is not good. And I was like, what? And he goes, he's great for the Mets and baseball. (laughs) So there you go. Angry Albanian, not so angry tonight. (laughs) All right, then, uh, what, it's 3.04 in the morning, and it's Thursday, and, uh, nope, we do not have a Carlos Correa update. Um, You know, TikTok, just waiting on it. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard in the order that you called. We go to Brooklyn, and it's Kyle on the fan. Go ahead.
8: Hey, Danielle, big fan. Thank you.
7: Um, I just want to say, I was listening earlier, like, I I don't want to be negative. These loser Yankee fans, like, uh-oh. we operate we operate in a system where there's no salary cap right so like why okay like going back to your point earlier like there's never going to be a salary floor because there's no salary cap so like that's, that's never going to happen but why like we we have a rich owner for the mess right so why why do we have to feel bad about uh about this like we we, we should we should we shouldn't feel bad like I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. Like it's 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 not like it's not against the rules. Like we're, we're Steve Cohen is doing what he thinks is best for the Mets. I don't, I don't know what you think about
0: that. Yeah, that's what it is. And you know what? If you're the owner of the Mets, you shouldn't care about any other team. You shouldn't care that the owner of the Oakland A's is worth two point three billion dollars, and his most expensive player on his roster for this upcoming season is Trevor May with a base salary of six million dollars. You don't care. You shouldn't have to care about that. There should be a salary floor. And I know that was something that actually was d- discussed during the time of the lockout. It was. It just never was included in, in the language of, of the New Deal. And, and, and the, the Oakland A's, they they deserve a new state. Is that is that a new start? Are they starting over? Is he selling the team? I mean, this is probably one of the guys that's outspoken about Steve Cohen. I mean, how many players... I don't even. I don't even. Want, I mean, just the disparity in the in the in the in the number between the two of them is is just it's it's astounding. And and I got a good tweet before from uh, Joe Flynn from California. He said, "Here's another thought, Danielle. While uh, while Manfred taxes the big spenders, why does MLB permit small market teams to accept revenue sharing at all? If they do not reinvest it in their teams, they should be penalized just like the big market teams." They should be. I agree. Great point. But that's not in the CBA. It was never included. It was talked about and never included. To Raleigh, North Carolina. Timothy, you're up on a fan.
7: What's
10: up, Coach? I'm really hoping that you have a wonderful night.
3: Oh, thanks. Well, you too. Um,
10: bef- before I even get to the point of my call, there's a light bulb light bulb in my head about Tua. Mm. Tua needs to retire. Three concussions and Three months is no joke. And I really hope the guy thinks about the future of his life because these concussions not only can put him in a wheelchair, they can kill him. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's not the point of my call. My call is about the Jets. Um, And I want to know your opinion about Tua, and I hope you, uh, you, you talk about that. But anyway, sure about the Jets, Mike... Evan White. I really hope these. I hope he's the guy, but he has been injured how many times in six games? How many times? Well,
0: you can't. Look. You can't prevent cracked ribs. I mean, plural.
1: Oh, oh yeah.
10: Oh yeah. I know. But I'm talking about like last year with uh, the what, what happened in Buffalo. But if he's not the guy, who do you think is going to be the guy?
3: Um.
0: Well, the the guy at the top of my list, uh, although Tom Brady would be would be number one, I think that's unattainable. I, I'm picking Jimmy Garoppolo. I, so the Jets can go via trade or via free agency. The trade I think would be ridiculous. Um, but uh, as far as free agency, my top pick would be Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah.
10: Uh, me too, because of the San Fran connection yes. with him and uh, Mike LaFleur yep. and our coach. Yep. Um, but who who just got benched today? Who just got benched by the Raiders? Derek Carr, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, you know, that coach is a genius. You know, he's the one that directed Tim Tebow in the first round. So, (laughs) who the the heck knows what he's doing? He would be my number two.
0: Well, here's the thing. No one seems to talk about this or or know this or, or, or bother to research it, but Derek Carr, and I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about maybe other hosts or whatever, but Derek Carr has a full no trade clause.
10: Yeah, but he's gonna get released. He's gonna get released at the end of the year because of the salary and uh the contract he signed. So they're gonna release him. Straight so, up. If you look if you look it up, they're they're gonna release him.
0: So they're gonna just eat eat the money, that the, the cap it? They're no, just gonna eat it. No
10: no No. It oh, by the way, we talked on Thanksgiving about um about uh Kurt Warner and <laughs> our loser of a of a quarterback. But anyway, back oh, yeah. to Derek Carr. You know
0: what? I never got to watch that that either, and I have it up as a tab still. I just haven't had time to like do it. It's long. Yeah, but it,
10: yeah, it, yeah. It, it obviously didn't work out. It obviously didn't work out. But uh, anyway, back to um, Derek Carr. If you look at his contract, they can cut him this year, and they're not going to have any cap it. None absolutely zero with the contract that he signed.
0: Uh, I'm so seeing a cap hit of $5.6 million.
10: 5.6 is nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So, you know, my, my my facts, obviously, I didn't do my research, but 5.6 is nothing. Yeah. Nothing.
0: But so then you, you got to pay around, the And then he's, well, he was supposed to have made, he's scheduled to have made $33 million, then $42 million in the year after that, and then $42 million the year after that. Can the Jets afford that? I think they're going to have to make cuts elsewhere to, to have to afford that. And and, and Derek Carr, if, not the answer. I know I
10: he may not be the answer, but what you're saying is wrong, because if they cut him,
0: if they cut him... They can him, restructure the contract, right? But he's going to be looking for that kind of money is what I'm trying to say. He's not going to be looking to, oh, let me make $9 million with the Jets because that's what they can afford. Like, he's not going to do that.
10: The Raiders just benched him. They benched him like a bum. And he's not a bum. He's not a... a lower 25 quarterback. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback, you know, 10, 11, 12, along like, like Garoppolo. Garoppolo is somebody that is accurate, can throw the ball exactly where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. He's not going to throw the bomb like Wilson. He's not going to run around like a lunatic. He can do the swan. He can throw the 10-yard passes. He can read a defense. Yep. So if we can't get Garoppolo, who, again, like, uh, like Mike White, Kevin like White, I pray to God he's the guy, but it's probably not going to be the guy.
3: Mm-hmm. We
10: get, we can go to Derek Carr, and he is going to be a mid-level quarterback who's not going to make mistakes. I mean, he plays for the Oakland Raiders, the most dysfunctional. I think that they make us look like the Giants.
0: Timothy, can I tell you something? Of course. Listen, listen carefully. Derek Carr... Has never won a game where the temperature was at or below thirty-seven degrees at kickoff. Does that change your mind?
10: Yes or no. I prefer Garoppolo if he can stay healthy. Correct. I really would because the San Fran connection. He can. He could be the guy. He can be the middle road guy. He, it's accurate. I mean, Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant.
0: Mr. Irrelevant, he, look at him. He, Timothy, just, what is his name? Mister what? Mister Irrelevant. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the last pick in the draft, and look what he's doing. I know. Well, it's just the system out there, Timothy. It's just it's the system out there in, in San Francisco. It's kind of just like drag and drop. I would love to see you or me in that system. We'll see what happens. But they've got—they're just loaded with talent. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. And the Jets have, you know, San Fran East kind of, sort of, going on. And that's why Jimmy Garoppolo, I agree with you, is going to be the best possible um, insert for the the Jets moving forward. Art in the Bronx, you're up on the fan.
2: Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? All right. I've been listening to this thing about baseball. A couple of callers made great points. Mm -hmm. Somebody finally brought up the fact that the owners – get to divvy up the luxury tax money. Me? I brought that, that up.
3: I did.
0: I yeah, said that. I
2: know. <laughs> and you're the first one on the air, on the, anywhere in the media that's brought that up. I mean, here comes Hal to talk about, oh, we got to talk about this. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> I mean, come on. you kidding me? And the other thing is, it's great. And you can put me down to stand. It's great for baseball. Yeah. Because one of your previous callers made a great point I hadn't thought of. That it will get the kids interested in baseball again. That was me. Especially, especially <laughs> black kids. I'm a team. T- it-
0: and that's the thing. There's not a lot of black kids that play baseball. I've talked to Charlie Hayes about this. It's a problem.
2: It-, it is a problem, but I tell you what else is a problem that nobody talks about that Major League teams do not send scouts to black neighborhoods to see black kids play. Mm. And I can prove that because, uh, what is it? Uh, McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon. Mm hmm. Andrew McCutcheon's high school, there's a story I saw online that Andrew McCutcheon's high school coach had to call major league teams to get them come see him.
3: Wow. And
2: Andrew McCutcheon could hit baseballs going all the way back to Little League. Wow. And, and he turned down football, and he wound up turning down football scholarships. He was a multi-sport star in high school in Florida, and he wound up turning down lots of fo- football offers to go to baseball. But I'm glad somebody made those two points. And being uh, that I'm a Mets, Jets, and Nets fan, the Jets, I, I'm actually old enough to have seen the Jets win the Super Bowl. Someday, someday, we will have a great quarterback again. Someday. 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 Your I mean, mouth you to God's been, ears and, and the draft oh boards. God, <laughs> oh, my God. I still can't believe we passed up Dan Marino in 1983. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm still angry about that. I kept I I I, I, um, I, I, I close my eyes and I look at Dan Marino in a Jets uniform <laughs> and with the talent they had in the early '80s, yeah, great defensive players. They had talent everywhere else. Imagine if, they, and then I get, and then how about my Brooklyn Nets, the
0: hottest I, team in basketball, ten in a row. And,
2: and, and ten in a row, second place in the East. Boston Celtics, we're coming for you for revenge, baby. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Because that, because that, that sweet last season. I've been I've been a Knicks fan since going all the way back to the ABA. Yeah, all the way when back they played to in Teaneck. Doctor J. Oh, oh God, you know about that? Oh, oh my
3: God.
0: I, you know how many times I drive past that Teaneck Armory? Hell yeah, I know about that.
2: Oh, oh, you, oh, you, you live in that area? Yeah, because um. Wow, I mean, I I used to work in that area. I used to drive a taxi in that area, and I I used to go by, and the company was Alpine. Yeah, and gotcha. Yeah, I know. I used to, you know, when I drove by that Armory, I had memories because I'm, I I went to those games and teams. I went to the first net, the first New Jersey Americans game, where they played against Connie Hawkins and the Pittsburgh pipers at
0: at the Armory.
2: Were, yes, yeah, I, that's I, cool. I that very first game at the Armory, and I tell you, um. The Nets I've been a Nets fan for a long long time and that sweep that that season in the playoffs was embarrassing as mm-hmm. all get out and we owe them one and I I I I couldn't see what they should have fired Steve Nash after that after the playoffs there Yeah year.
0: you know what he was the wrong hire from the beginning I questioned it from the beginning I mean
2: come on Absolutely
0: yeah. That's that uh-huh. but that's who the you know, that's who they wanted. That's who the players wanted and that's what they got.
2: Yeah. Well they got rid of them too, and I'm glad they did. But I, I look yeah. back on turned that thing around. Hell, yeah. What do you think what do you think about the Knicks and what do you think about Luka Doncic? Oh my
0: god. Yeah. On oh, no, right. thanks for thanks for the call there, Art. Right. You're you're a good guy. I can tell you're a good guy. Oh my god, Luka Doncic. he is I mean, I I play. When I have time, which is which is not often, but when I do have some time, I sit down, I turn on the PlayStation, and I play um, NBA Two K. And I like to play the My Career mode. And I have like a sharp shoot. I made like a sharp shooting three point guy, kind of like a Joe Harris kind of type. And uh, that's what I. I guess that's what I wish I was when I played because I was never a really good shooter. But anyway, Luka Doncic is like my career mode. That guy was playing in, like, my career mode against the Knicks. I mean, seriously, that has never been done before, and unfortunately, it came against the Knicks, unfortunately, but just for a second, just step back and just appreciate. You, you have to just step back, no pun intended, step back, jumper there, and appreciate how awesome that was, That that
5: feat was to do last night.
0: I mean, awesome, historic.
5: Kevin Durant said nearly the same thing as you, Really? Citing the my career thing. Did he? He did. He tweeted it out last night. Oh, I didn't about even see about that. How incredible what Luca just did was that. And when Kevin Durant yeah. who does some of the most incredible things in the league right here in our backyard can tweet out about another star and say, wow, I'm in awe. I'm in shock. I mean, gosh, how are we supposed to feel about ourselves? We're, we we could only go to 2K for that. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel really good about yourself when you get like these messages on
0: your 2K thing on on your little little phone from like Kevin Durant, like who? Good game. Like I oh, want to team up. <laughs> Demar Derozan. Want to team up?
5: <laughs> you go back to your little loft in the game. Sometimes no, I and, never really. Did. It's once in a while. And then, but no, but then like a player walks in. It's like Blake Griffin. Oh,
0: that's it's, never happened to me. Oh yeah. Oh.
5: What? I mean, it's probably two years ago. 2K. So I'm a little, wa- I'm a little old in that. Regard. I was
0: doing that was my thing during pandemic though. I was playing video games during pandemic like nonstop.
5: Uh, me and my roommate did, I think it was nine full MLB seasons. <laughs> Road to the show, oh, Road to the show's the best. Every at bat, we didn't sim one game. Uh, the two of us played nine seasons with the same player. Yeah. Okay. PD Pumpkins. <laughs> I can't.
0: Uh, but the one thing I will say about the, the Nets is that
5: finally. Finally,
0: they are starting to play some defense. Finally, right? Jock Vaughn has them playing defense on both ends of the floor. Case in point being, Kevin Durant blocks a ball. It was tonight, I think. Blocked a ball. Chased it down as it was going out of bounds. Dove for it. Head first into the front row of seats there. And when you have your star player bought in like that, making the gritty plays like that, the rest of the lineup follows suit. Finally, Kevin Durant has stepped it up. This team this team might be unstoppable. As long as Kyrie Irving can keep the, the drama and the BS and and, and and stay on the floor. This team is, is going to be the team to beat coming out of the East, for sure. And look, as they are on TV right now, seeking their first 10-game win streaks in, what did it say, 2006? I was a senior in high school in 2006. That's a long time ago. We talked about that last night.
5: Kevin Durant drafted in 2006 or after that, 2007? Ooh. That might have been the year he was drafted.
0: Oh, let's see. Kevin Durant drafted in 2007.
5: So it was before Kevin was in the league the Nets had a win streak that good. See
0: that? And they were still playing in New Jersey at that point, where they should still be. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> My name is Daniel McCartney. I'm with you till uh, 6 here on The Fan. We'll talk some Yankees. We'll talk some Derek Carr, Mets, Jets, Giants, whatever. Whatever you feel, you give me a call.
3: 877-337-6666.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to the fam. My name is Danielle McCartan. Should I take a line from Steve Summers? Me here, you there. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard you know what? I, I wanted to kind of throw one more thing into this wrinkle here. Me and my dad, or my dad and I, for you, Grammar, me, my, we were talking about on Christmas Day, if you look at our football teams and our baseball teams, because that's the two we talked about, I said, Dad, what current player is worth buying an authentic jersey for? And um, as you know, they're really expensive, right? The, the football one I just bought was three sixty nine ninety nine. I got a, it, was on, it was on sale. I didn't pay that. But they're like 400 bucks, right? So if you could buy one from a current player, I mean, it's much easier to pick legends, right? Obviously. But from a current player, you're making a $400 investment in a shirt. Uh, who would you pick? And uh, we went through it. We both agreed on Sauce Gardner for the Jets. We both agreed on Aaron Judge for the Yankees. For the Giants, he said Leonard Williams. And I would be banking on Daniel Jones to be back, so I said Daniel Jones, or if not him, if he does end up going away and going to a different team, I would pick Kayvon Thibodeau. And then for the Mets, my dad just loves Jeff McNeil. So Jeff McNeil, for me, I'd say Brandon Nimmo. And a good little discussion we had, right? Making a little investment. Speaking of investments, Steve Cohen has invested uh, quite some coin in his New York Mets and it's uh, it's pissed off a lot of the other owners around the league. Owners that are worth two point three billion dollars, yet have a payroll, projected payroll of forty nine million dollars for their entire team, <clears throat> Oakland A's. I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous. That is that is ridiculous. More ridiculous than a guy spending his money to try to improve his team. Maybe a Yankee fan sitting there going, okay. What is our owner? Okay, Aaron Judge? Check. Great. Aaron Thinney Rizzo? Check. Great. Then what? 877-337-6666. Want to talk about the Jersey thing? Great. Want to talk about Yankees, Mets, Giants? I'm here for you. Even the Nets. Even the Knicks. I'm here for you. Hockey. You guys watch the hockey game from uh, Prudential Center? It was close until it wasn't. Bruins, Devils from the Rock. What was a final score. 3-1, I think it was. But one of the – was an open netter. So 2-1, so essentially, is what it was. Uh, to Stuart in Brooklyn. You're up on the fan here, Stuart.
6: Uh, Good morning, coach. How are you? All right, how are you today? Good, how are you? Yeah, investing in a shirt. My uh, Yankee would be 99. Yes. My Met would, would be number 20, Pete Alonso. My Jet
0: would be... Uh, does it have to be a current player? Current. Yeah, that was the whole crux of it. Yeah, current.
6: Current player on the Jets. I, w- I would go with sauce.
0: Yeah, that makes three of us. Yep.
6: Uh-huh. And, uh And on the Giants, uh, Danny Dimes.
0: Yeah, that's what I said, too. I Giants mean, were a little harder, though. But but he might. I mean, he's a free agent next season. So do yeah, you but, really but, want to invest yeah, 400 bucks on a guy who could be gone next year? Who knows? Yeah, but the thing
6: is, he's earned his star stripes this year. He's earned it.
3: Yes. Oh, earned, I agree with you.
6: Right to play with them. And if they get some weapons, he could be even better. Some players that he could throw to. Oh, yeah. And a better offensive line, yep. maybe. Um, the thing is, uh, if every team had a better offensive line, all the quarterbacks would be still standing, and Tua wouldn't have this problem. But like the gentleman said before, Tua should retire and go home yeah. and find something because man I've seen CTE mm-hmm. and guys dying guys committing suicide mm-hmm. it's ridiculous remember that guy in the charges
3: with, Junior Seo
6: right uh, Junior Sale, yeah Junior Sale. Yeah. prime example what about him mm-hmm. with all the concussions
0: yep I know it's, and, a, it's a shame you know he's a young guy and Junior
6: Sale was a great player yeah. and now he's dead mm-hmm. and that, that should not be having to be said about anybody who plays a sport. And yeah. it's true about football. Yeah, And the thing is, uh, I like Junior Sale. He, I, watched, I saw him play, and not in person, of course, but I saw him on TV, and he was a likable guy, and then look what happened. And, all, and football is a violent sport. Yeah, but, you know, uh, two should just go home. Just go home. Find something else. Yeah. Cause, because it's going to be better now than when it gets to be too late.
3: Yeah, I agree with you.
6: He's a young
0: guy, right? He doesn't want to hear that, I'm sure, but it's...
6: Yeah, but guess what? You want to have your health and a question for the rest of your life?
3: Yep, I know. And not
6: be able to remember even your family members?
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
6: That's what's going to happen. And uh, let's get to the Yankees. Uh, They have to make a a move in left field. Yeah.
3: They
6: have to make a move. I think Parasa is going to be a shortstop starting.
0: What do you
6: think? What's your feeling about that? Who's that? Peraza. Peraza. It should be. It, that's it what should it should be. be.
0: Will it, it be? No. They just gave IKF, what, five $6 million? For what reason? He's going to be the no starter. Idea. So that was a silly move. That, see, we talked last night about spending money and how Yankees are always at the top of the league in, in payroll, and yet they've wrapped up, what, fourteen 16% of their payroll in Donaldson, IKF, and Hicks? Like, enough already.
6: And what about Gleyber Torres? You throw him in there, too?
0: Torres, I would look to trade Torres. Definitely.
6: And I would look to get rid of Donaldson, Hicks, and IKF. All
0: of three of them. You mm, can't. Who's taking him?
6: They're not going like the, to add that. They're not going to eat Donaldson's contract. They're not going to do that. But I would still try to move Hicks and IKF Uh no who the, old, the infielder that can move around would be D.J. LeMahieu, well, and you can move Corbera around. He could play second and short and third, I think.
0: Well, D.J. LeMahieu defensively is best at second. That's where yes. that's where he's best. That's why I want to see him.
6: Yeah, and third base, who would you play?
0: <sighs> Well, as currently constructed, I mean, it's it's Donaldson.
6: I put Volpe over Donaldson. I don't Because
0: uh, they've questioned his arm strength. So so maybe then you put Volpe at second and move LeMayhew to third, maybe.
6: And DJ third. Yeah. That would be very good. And uh, IKF, who would be the all of, uh, the, uh, really infielder? Who would be the uh, utility infielder?
0: Probably Cabrera, right? Because he sucks yes. in the outfield. Well, uh, yeah, either
6: him or uh, IKF could be the infielder maybe. that moves around.
0: Maybe. Yep.
6: Maybe. But the thing is Hicks and Donaldson for sure off the team and try to trade Glaber for a pitcher, a relief pitcher or something like that. they got to
0: strengthen their team. No, You know what, Stuart? A a closer. The Yankees, and I know Clay Holmes is great, but it was a tale of two halves of the season. Make him the setup, man. The Yankees need a closing pitcher. Who
6: would be be your choice?
0: (sighs) I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody out there.
6: Uh... What about Hader?
0: Yeah, Hader, he was with Milwaukee most recently, right? Right, yes. Yeah, I like him. I, I like do.
6: him. And uh, you know what really bothered me going into the playoffs? It uh, really ticked me off and it got me so. When he when Chapman said, oh, uh, he didn't show up. So oh, my good. God. I know. How I do mean, you just do that? And, uh, what? Because he thought he, thought he wasn't going to be on the roster. You still show up because you want to know what, no matter what we might say, they could have used him in keys in some spots.
0: Yeah,
3: as like
6: See, a sixth inning guy. <laughs> what?
0: Like a sixth inning guy, maybe. I can't right. believe it.
6: And the thing is, he didn't show up. And I said, <sighs> "But get out of here. Go home. You know you know who I really liked over Chapman back then? Andrew Miller. And it's a shame he yeah, got hurt. I know. I mean, you liked Andrew Miller, too, if, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yep, I did. And, and, Stuart, and listen to this. Trending on Twitter right now is the word Chapman. Right now. Right now. Almost 16,000 tweets. And someone had a video for whatever reason. Throwback to the time our Chapman walked the bases loaded with zero outs. And Michael King came in to save it and got out of it in five pitches. Five pitches it took him. Our this Chapman was the biggest joke. And I said it. Way, th- almost three years ago now here on the station, the guy was a thrower. And then when the rest of the league caught up to his his pitch, what was it, his ha- fastest pitch that he tattooed on his arm, when the rest of the league caught up to that, including starting pitching caught up to that, he was completely lost. He didn't ever learn how to pitch. He was just a thrower. That was the issue. Uh, ben in Queens, you've been hanging. Go ahead, Ben. What's up? All right, Coach. Oh. The shirt thing is easy.
4: Who's because, that? Who are you picking? You know, we talked before the draft, and you know who I wanted. So for my Giants jersey, Thibodeau. Hey, all those Jet fans that got mad at me about Thibodeau saying poor work ethic and all of that. Mm. Where are you guys now? Yeah. Yeah. All right? For the Jets, oh, it's simple. I'm getting two shirts. I'm getting the Williams twins or the Williams brothers.
2: Well, that's two. You got to
0: pick one.
4: Well, um, hey, uh, <laughs> I'll flip a coin. All right, all right. But it's going to be that way because hey, sauce ain't sauce without the Williams.
7: You're right. So, so just to let you know,
4: uh, quick St. John's point. Hey, Storm. These home games against the Big East teams; these are the ones you need to win.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm sick of getting into into February and March. And then trying to play long arithmetic in figuring how you get into the NCAA tournament. you got a squad that can ball. Don't fall asleep for the first 10 minutes and get down by 20. This is the second time now. You did it against Villanova, too. Just letting you know. And Villanova ain't playing like Villanova.
11: See the UConn game tonight. Yeah.
4: Go like, yo, could, could, could you ease up? Now for the Mets. I don't know you had a met caller call in and said oh these Yankee fans and I'm like we didn't make the comment that was Oakland <laughs> we said nothing about how much you were spending we love you guys spending yeah why yes. because I want another subway series
0: me too wouldn't that be- I tried betting on that just to see like if if like like uh Yankees versus Mets World Series if that was even out yet and it was not.
4: Cause they're like, hey, I'm greedy, okay? Because every time we get some of these these analysts and stuff, it's always looking down on New York baseball, or New York baseball is the ruination of the sport. Yeah, not anymore. But we're going to just leave those teams that don't want to spend money they get from us into their team and build them better.
0: That's their problem.
4: Yeah, you know, you know, I go like, I I I, I go like proudly. We're the evil empire. Good, cool. I- I've always wanted to be on the dark side. Where do I get my lightsaber?
0: <laughs> Sign me up. Probably Amazon, eBay. They probably have it. Go
4: like, go like, yo, I- S- seriously, yeah. if we're so evil, okay, then how come you guys ain't winning? You guys are doing it the right way, right? I mean, you're getting extra money from us, but you're not going after your owners for not spending. Mm-hmm. The only team that did do this and. And you know what? They actually ended up winning that year with Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, they yeah. beat the Mets. Unfortunately, yeah, I remember. But but Drew Bintara caught the last middle,
3: out.
4: Yeah, middle of the year, they realized, oh shoot, we are in it and we have a chance to win. Yeah, and finally, uh, and
11: I'll, I'll I'll just end it with this. this. This this was this was cool.
4: That sound clip from Mike White right there shows you why that locker room is behind him.
3: Mm -hmm. Yep.
4: (laughs) Nothing needs to be said. I mean, he just went, hey, yo, basketball, overtime. Football has penalty kicks. Yep. We got to win two games. Let me get the ball. Let's go win two games.
0: (laughs) You like the mentality. And and Ben, thanks for the call there. You like the mentality of him, but... The skill set of him, I'm not sure he has it to, to get out there and do it. We'll see. I would love it. I would love it, but we'll see. Uh, we could do probably one more. Michael in Lake Mary, Florida. You're up next. You're on the fan.
11: Hey Danielle, What's how up? are you? Good, good. How are you? Well, you know why? My, you know why my ears were ringing right with the <laughs> topic you just brought. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, tell me. <laughs> so yeah, and I got a quick giant point too. But for the yeah. jerseys, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I got already. I I actually got an Andrew Thomas jersey. Really? So yes, I got a Thomas jersey for the Giants. Uh, I feel like he's going to be the tackle there, so I, I I like the obscure position player. Okay, let that game. Uh, Yankees would be Judge, mm-hmm. current player, and 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 for my Rangers, I'll throw an Adam Fox. I got an Adam Fox jersey because I think he's a good it's a good long term investment for them.
0: Yeah, I, I I was thinking about the Rangers too. I would probably go either Kreider or mm. Good.
7: Good.
11: I mean, really,' it's, you got a lot of good choices, yeah, make, you do on the right Rangers, there. you actually do, yeah, yeah. uh-huh, you got, you got a lot of good choices there uh but the the giant point I wanted to make with you was uh it's a little more piggyback well, if I forgot if it was the show yesterday or the or the or the or the show before that, the ones where you get the the masochistic fans that hate the success of the team and they like almost feel like you're rooting for them to not win, like and, the and Giants? yeah, Yeah. It's almost like are these the fans that don't want to admit that Jones is actually a decent quarterback? Those or are the ones. I mean, I don't. I yes. mean, what do you want? I feel like these fans get like they either want the team to be a fifteen and three team that can win the Super Bowl easily, or if we're going to just suck, let's just suck for the draft picks all the time. How about we build a winning culture? You know, yeah. I, I mentioned, I, I said this to you before, and I tweeted this to you as well. This is a three- to four-year project to get this team where you want it to get. The team is eons ahead mm-hmm. the first year. Making the playoffs this year and building that culture with this group is a blessing for us. And anything after that is gravy. Let's see what happens in the offseason when you start to get that linebacker, that defensive back, or and, and these other and wide, uh, wide and receiver. the wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – Give give Shane and Dave a chance to build the roster, but my gosh, what are you guys looking for for this team? I, I'm very happy with how they're playing. Yeah. So, um, but with anyway, a, with a brand really new coach with, who's doing it for the first
0: time well, ever, with a like a brand new GM who's only the highest he's ever been was assistant GM. I mean, I, I'm pleasantly surprised actually that the Giants
11: are yeah. there in the mix. I mean, what do you want with people? You, did, are we going to realistically win the Super Bowl this year? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Although I got a little on that too, just to make so, sure. So do I. I so do I. I do it every preseason. Situation. Ten
0: dollars on the Jets. Ten dollars on the Giants. Every preseason.
11: But you know, but when you and, and I'll just end with this. I mean, you got other calls. But the thing is, is when you've got when you get to the playoffs, you got to build that. Where are we going to take our game to the next level and see to build on that? And if you look at the giant teams from the past. You have to have a little failure before you have success. You just don't come out and just go grab the Super Bowl after being that pathetic team that they were for the last couple of years. But taking a anyway. knee
0: with two knees near the end zone for what? To set up a punt? That we were. I was at that oh. game,
11: and we were. We were
0: looking at each other like, "What are they doing?
11: Yeah. <laughs> what are they doing?" And I knew you were at that game too. And I was like, "Oh, she must. She's gonna have a lot to say." Yeah, that was basketball. in our end zone too. It was right in front of us. We were in the lower <laughs> level.
0: It was right there. We we're like, "What?" Because you don't get the commentating. You know, it's like, well, "Wait a minute. It, what did we just?
11: Did he just do that? Did he just take a yeah. knee on the two? What?" It, it that's that. That was. That's when I knew the error was over. Done. At that point. Done deal. And then, So you go oh, from there
0: yeah. to, to here yeah. in a year's time. I think you should be very happy of what's going on. Yes. Super,
11: super happy. Daniel, always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, Have thanks, Mike. Right?
0: Appreciate that. Take Thank care. you. Bye.
11: Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And uh, from that to this, how about this? The news this afternoon that Derek Carr will be exactly where Zach Wilson will be for the remainder of the season on the bench. I'm Danielle McCartan. Of course, I've got you covered on his potential fit here in a green uniform. And, of course, your calls, too, at 877-337-6666.
5: We're going to go ahead and, and start Jarrett uh, the last couple games of the season here. Um, you know, we're, none of us is happy with where we're at, um, but we think it's a, an opportunity to, um, you know, evaluate a younger player who hasn't had much time to play. Um, you know, uh, talking to Derek, uh, who was great. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he understands uh, the scenario. Yeah, that, that, that that's
0: the coach the of the Raiders, Coach McDaniels. That audio, by the way, courtesy of the Las Vegas Raiders, Um, talking about how they're going to bench Derek Carr for the rest of the season, as if Derek Carr was a huge problem over there. Well, um, what people seem to forget around here, maybe they release him, maybe, but I wouldn't just release him. I would try to get something for him. Derek Carr has a full no-trade clause. Of course, that can be amended, but why would – why would Derek Carr waive or amend that no trade clause to come and play for the New York Jets? I'll tell you why. I teased it a little bit before. Let me back up to just this past week. Just the other day, ahead of the Raiders game in an eight degree air temperature f- Pittsburgh, Derek Carr was asked about playing football in the cold weather. He said, and this is a quote in the cold, of its mentality, or probably more percentage. You just set your mind because you know that they're playing in it, you're playing in it, and at the end of the day, you have to execute at a high level. Well, then, if that's what Derek Carr says, then I guess we can all label Derek Carr mentally weak. Because in that particular game, in the cold, Carr threw one touchdown pass and three picks. His rating was a 42.2. And to put that into context, are you ready? Derek Carr's rating that Christmas Eve Pittsburgh game in Pittsburgh was a measly three-tenths of a point higher than Zach Wilson on Thursday Night Football last week. I mean, how bad was Zach Wilson? Carr was like, hold my beer. So maybe that's just a one-off, just a bad game, right? That's what you say, right? It's a Bad game. Derek, a Derek Carr-led team has, again, I said it before, never won a game where the air temperature is at or below 37 degrees, not counting the wind chill, just the air temperature, 37 degrees or lower or fewer at kickoff. That's significant, especially if you want them to come and play here in New Jersey, New York. This is his ninth season. He has started 142 games, and he has never won a game where it's been 37 degrees or colder at kickoff. I mean, the most points he's ever had on a team in those conditions, air quotes conditions, because 37 degrees isn't even freezing. It's 35 right now in Manhattan. 19 points one time. In games where the it's, it's cold, 37 degrees or fewer, In his career, Derek Carr has six touchdowns to nine interceptions and a completion percentage, about 55%. And if it's via trade, the Jets are going to have to give up draft capital to get him? I mean, Fire McDaniels was trending on Twitter this afternoon. So you can clearly see how much the Raiders fans appreciate Derek Carr the player, but probably more Derek Carr the person. Seems like a fine guy, a caring guy, a compassionate competitor, but unfortunately, the retractable roof is not installed yet at MetLife Stadium. So Derek Carr cannot play on the Jets, or not play on the Giants for that matter. The cold does, in fact, bother him anyway. 877-337-6666. Y'all pink we go. Michael, you're up on the fan.
8: How you doing, Daniel? Great, how are you? Long time. Yeah, a long-time Raiders fan here, so I'm going to tell you real quick probably what Carr is going to end up on, what's going to happen to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Carr is going to end up on the Saints, so he could play in the Dome. And mm-hmm. word is Sean Payton might be coming back. Yep. So, and in, in a Dome, he will thrive. He does. He, every, all of us Raiders fans so whenever it's the cold, he's, he does never ever play well. Yep. But the this, this scarier part, the reason they did all this, because Brady was supposed to come let this year already. He's coming to the Raiders next year. He's not playing another year for Bulls. And Brady walks into Waller, Renfro, Adams, and the best running back in the league, and the word is Gronk will come back if he goes again.
3: How's the offensive
0: line?
8: No, it's okay, but the defense is the problem right now. They've led like seven games this season by ten points or more at the half Mm -hmm. and given it all away every time.
0: Well, guess what, Michael? I was on, I don't know, I I was on uh, out there – do you know do you know Q, uh, Q Myers uh, out there at Lotus Broadcasting? He has a show yeah. Silver and Black, I think it's called whatever whatever it's mm-hmm. called. I was on with him and he was like, "Hey, like right when they hired Patrick Graham, he, they had me on and they were like, what to expect from Patrick Graham?" And then just a couple months ago or a month ago, they had me back on and it was like, "I told you so." It's like this soft coverage, the shell defense is awful and and that defense, well, it might be talented, even Max Crosby but the scheme of it is awful. The, the sooner they can let go of Patrick Graham, the better.
8: Exactly, and that's part of. Car didn't have Walla and, and Renfro for half the season, so that, that yeah. that's part of the problem too. But yeah, he, he, that's why they bench him because he's he's going to be done. I got just one funny baseball one. I, I saw it today. I thought it'd make you laugh. What's that? So the Cubs are talking about getting Dominic Smith, and they list him as a lefty power bat. How does a guy be a power bat when he didn't hit a single home run last year? That <laughs> <Not> one. <laughs> I think they're
0: uh trying to sell it. I think they are uh hoping. Maybe that's a projection.
8: Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Where but, did it say that? I, I really think I really think Brady's coming though. I really think he's coming.
0: I the the, the and I know cuz I know the Vegas market and I've I've been on the radio there. Uh, I, the the offensive line scare, you know, I, if I Tom Brady, the offensive line would scare me out there. Yeah. I, yeah. I know the conditions are great. The the, the, the stadium is a beautiful stadium it's indoors you know it's climate control which is all good for Tom Brady which is why I don't think he's ever coming here but um I, the offensive line would scare me uh, they missed on what was his name Le- Leatherwood right yeah they missed drafting him they missed on him he, he was he was a bust so I don't I don't know I don't know I mean the, the weapons are great but if you're an older guy like Tom Brady you don't want to end up like Mike white with crack ribs you want to be able to and, he, and he's not a mobile quarterback you want the best offensive line possible and that's Probably why he picked the Bucks when he did.
8: Yeah, exactly when he did. But now it's McDaniel, and that's why McDaniels, He's got no loyalty to Derek Carr. The guy puts up thirty five hundred to four thousand yards every year. Three time Pro Bowl. Like you said, he's a player that plays with heart. It just hasn't gotten done.
0: I don't know. And he, he
8: chokes. I mean, yeah, he does. He does.
0: I don't know. I, I, Derek Carr, great guy. I'm sure he does a lot of charity work out there. I'm sure he's great. But I, to me, as, as a fit on the Jets or the Giants, it's it's a no-go for me.
8: It's an it's a no-go. And it just kills us because, I, I mean, like, long time since Stephanie's Emirates have fan. Yeah. And we, we we were the winningest franchise for 20 years, and then we were the worst <laughs> for the next 20 plus
0: Well, you're talking to uh, people that love the Jets in this area, so uh, they get it. They understand.
8: Yeah. All right, thank you so much, Danielle. Have a great night. Yeah,
0: Michael, thanks for making the call. Appreciate that insight there from a from a Raider fan. And he said no, too. Wait a second. Who's number 96 on the Detroit Red Wings? Detroit Red Wings. I got to tell you a story about this guy. Hold on a second. I just saw it on the TV in here. Hold on. Hold on. I'm getting it. I want to give him his credit here. What number did I say? 69? 59? 96. I'm tired. (laughs) Number 96. 96. Jake Wallman scored a goal tonight and on hockey skates
5: hit the gritty. Whoa. That's next level right there. That's pretty cool. I I saw the clip on Twitter. Was it the most fluid gritty of all time? But you got to give this guy some credit for doing it on the ice. Yeah. You know, people make fun of Mike Kosicki to say that his gritty needs to be seasoned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> can't, can't be doing that talk to the guy on ice. I
0: know. That was impressive. I had I had to inform you on it. It's probably on Twitter. I'll take a look. Jake Wallman, Gritty. I'll find it for you. So if you want to take a look at that, it was impressive, especially on skates. Uh, you can follow me at CoachMCCARTAN. You guys on hold, hang there. We got to go to uh, – do we do a quick break here? Yeah, we'll do a quick break here. And we got an update from Kevin Dexter. And I'll be right back with you. My name is Daniel McCartan. With you till 6. Back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan with you till 6 a.m. Pete Kennedy's behind the glass on the ones and twos and taking your calls Uh, on that quick turnaround there. I did find Jake Wallman, Detroit Red Wings, hitting the gritty on a pair of ice skates. And I learned, because obviously there's no volume on the TV in here. I learned that not only was it just a regular goal, it was a game winning goal in overtime Against the Penguins. I mean, I, I, I retweeted it, so you can go take a look at Coach McCartan. I mean, I think hockey needs more of that. Hockey, you know, they score a goal, they put their head down, they go high-five the whole bench as they skate by the bench and blah, blah, blah. Cool and all, but, man, like, it's got like 20,000 views already on Twitter. I mean, that's a lot. You know, back from Bally Sports, uh, Michigan or whatever it was. I, I would love to see more of that from hockey. I would love to see more celebrations from hockey. That is really cool. NHL. Uh, uh, I I use the NHL, but you go. It's got millions of views. Well, not millions, but th- tens of thousands of views. Awesome. And I'm just learning now that it was a comeback from down being down for nothing too. I mean, wow, cool, very cool. Good for you, Jake Wallman. Great. He's only got three thousand followers. Should, should I tell him? I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tweet him. I'm going to say, "Hey, Jake." <laughs> I'm going to tweet him. Hey Jake. Wait, where do I find? How do How do you? There it is. Hey Jake. Danielle from Duff WFAN in New York watching your gritty live, watching your your gritty replay on the internet. Looks great. Hockey needs more of it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. See if he gets back to us. You never know. He's only got 3000 followers that'll stick out. That might stick out. All right, let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666. Been mishmashy tonight. It's 404. Still no news on Carlos Correa though. Um, which is fine. I'm okay with that. It means that they're really just fine-tooth combing all of the details in that deal. As far as the Yankees are concerned, well, no news is not good news for them really. Um, they still need a left fielder. They still need someone to take Josh Donaldson. And when Brian Cashman gets out there and says, Josh Donaldson is not only the greatest third baseman he's ever seen in his whole entire life, that he deserves all the gold gloves. I mean, oh, it makes me want to throw up, really. Wants makes me want to toss my cookies, <laughs> toss my lunch, whatever. whatever. I never get these expressions right. And um, talking about the Jets and, and who should be the quarterback next year, spoiler alert, not Zach Wilson and not Derek Carr. And, of course, the Giants are winning in this weekend. So all of those things are on the table. The Brooklyn Nets, 10 in a row. Kevin Durant making gritty play. Speaking of gritty, gritty plays out there. Um, the rest of the team has completely bought into Jock Vaughn, and they are the hottest team in the NBA. The team to be reckoned with moving forward. So long as Kyrie Irving can keep his act together. Hey, everything. Every, whatever you want to talk about, give me a call. 877-337-6666. To Kingston, we go and Franklin. You're up on the fan.
9: Hi Danielle, uh, first time caller. I've been a fan since the Saturday night days when you were hosting with uh, After Macdonald. So Host, hosting with today. what? Uh, Macdonald and then you followed right up. Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah. I was on before that, but yeah, that was uh, my usual overnight Saturday night spot.
9: Yeah, After Yeah, the yeah, I like yep. things, yeah. Well, thanks for t- picking up the phone now. Oh yeah, no problem. I just want to get your thoughts on the Mets uh, and Yankees. I guess. Um, yeah. I'm a big Mets fan. And I know our roster is loaded, but the National League is very competitive. The Dodgers are good. Mm-hmm. Phillies are good. Braves are good. Maybe the Yankees are a better shot at the World Series. What do you think? I think so.
0: I okay. mean, I, I got odds. I, I think at the time I placed the bet, both the Mets and the Yankees were at plus 900. So they're, they're right up in there in the competition. Um, ultimately, as they're constructed right now, I think the Mets are a better team.
9: Okay. Yeah. And I want to ask you your, who your favorite team is, but uh, you do believe the Mets have a good team, I guess.
0: Cause... Yeah, I do. You know why? Because the Yankees, you know, oh, the objective always is for the Yankees and in, in the trades that they make and the offseason acquisitions that they make. The objective has been for years, be able to beat the Astros. And, and what they have on paper right now, to me, will not beat the Astros in the ALCS. They'll get there again. I think they'll lose again to the Astros as it's constructed right now. So I think the Mets... I, they have a, a, a better, so long as they're healthy, a better starting pitching rotation. I think they've got definitely got a better bullpen. They've got the best closer in baseball. They've got guys that can hit for power and hit to get on base. They could score runs. They could steal bases. So I think the Mets are just a more complete team. And usually, once the, the postseason happens, especially in the World Series, the more complete team ends up winning.
9: I think. Yeah, and then the, but the American League is not getting better. Like I don't like the Rangers. You know, the paper tires. I think. Yeah. A lot of acquisitions. So you know. And the Yankees are a veteran team, so. but I'm always a paranoid Mets fan.
0: I know, I know. You're conditioned you. to be
9: that way. It's not your fault. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so thank you, thank you for taking my call. And thanks, Franklin, for making it. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking on paper how these two teams are, and you're like, pick a winner, pick pick one of these two teams to send to the World Series. Who do you think makes it? I'm picking the Mets. I am. They They are the more complete team. And the bats went frigid cold for the Yankees against the Astros this last ALCS. Frigid. I mean, we talk about it every single show. Three guys on that team in that starting lineup against the Astros in the ALCS were hitting under 100 in the postseason. That can't be. And the Yankees have really done nothing to change the team to rectify that situation. In fact, you can argue that, that, that they've gotten worse letting Ben Benintendi go. You know, he was a key cog. He was a perfect type player. But I think the Yankees, and we can talk about this tomorrow. I think I have this. I want to talk about this in tomorrow's open. But I think the Yankees have, and Brian Reynolds and the the Pirates have something cooking. That would be pretty good. That would be a great move, actually. So we'll see. We'll see. But right now, between the two of them, I think the Mets are the more complete team. In the order that you call, let's go Chris in Rockaway Beach. Chris, what's up?
4: Hey, how you doing, Danielle?
0: Good, good. How are you?
4: All right. <clears throat> Listen, I just wanted to uh, get your opinion on something. Um, you know, they've been talking. They've been talking about Zach Wilson from the standpoint of uh, you know of uh, Soller and uh, and Douglas. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, you know, they have. You know, they have to commit to this guy because because he was the number uh, two pick. Right. And, you know, they gave him a big contract mm-hmm. and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to look like uh, they don't want to walk away from it, you know, uh, with egg on their face. Right. They don't want to make but it I look like that they, they
0: didn't evaluate him properly and make him They made a mistake. Right. They don't want to admit it. Maybe right. not.
4: But I, but I think I think they'll look worse if they don't do something about it. Mm. You know, I mean, at this point, at this point, you know, you, you know, White's coming. White's coming back. He's got two games to, to show his stuff, and and you know, they can evaluate that as far as next year. Sure. And, uh, and then, you know, then you go after another, another quarterback too, you know, and Zach Wilson, you know, you want to, you want to ride the pine, you know, for the rest of your career, you know, so be it. But, you know, they, they need to, they need to do something to send a signal that, you know, they made a mistake and, uh, you know, Zach Wilson isn't what they thought he was going to be.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, will they do it? I don't know. Will he improve? I don't know, Chris. That that, that That's a good point, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I would love to see I, – I wouldn't like to see him cut, actually. And that's crazy as that sounds. I would love to see him as, as QB3 for next season. You are not – with the understanding that you are not going to touch the field. You're just not. You're going to sit there. You're going to learn. You're going to learn like Eli Manning did. You're going to chart every single blitz on a piece of paper – And so you can get up under center and figure it out in real time. Like, there's things that you could do to teach him without him being on the field. And maybe that's what they should have done to begin with. But they didn't. They coddled him. So will they admit that they made a mistake? Remains to be seen. I don't know. But how did they make such a big—how did they make that mistake? I'm, I'm sitting here. I, I did not get to meet the kid. I, I did not get to go to that pro day or, or what. I don't have the information that the, that the Jets did on, on, on any of these guys. And I didn't like them. I don't know. I think they just fell in love with him. They were just enamored by him. Max and Wanta, you're up next here on The Fan.
6: Hey. Hey. A happy and a healthy, a nonviolent— non-drug overdose, no suicidal, and every, every, every.
0: Well, that was weird. Why would you go into that?
5: I think it was going to say New Year. Like, what? it's just silly. It's aggressive. It's just silly. It's aggressive. And you know what? It was nothing dirty. No. It's a good sentiment, sure, so appreciate it. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a dark twist.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't like that. Sorry about that. Sorry for making you wait on hold for that, to to, to start with that. Um, but if you want to call back and leave that part out, I'm happy to do that. But that's uh, it's kind of weird. It's, there's always one. There's always one. Oh, we got Eric and Ron Konkoma here. Eric was not the one that sold my autograph on eBay or has it for sale. Just so everybody knows, go ahead, Eric.
7: That's right. That's right. And, and I, I got to follow up that. Jeez, that, 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 that was interesting.
0: Uh, yep. Yeah, happy uh, New Year to you, uh, Eric.
7: Happy. That's right. Happy <laughs> and extremely healthy. I thought we leave it at that. Perfect. And and, and successful. So, exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did by the way try to look up that that based on. That was kind of weird. Did you find um, it? No, I didn't. No, oh, uh, I don't know I, the
0: guy's I, name. Uh, I, I could send it to yeah, you. I know I, you messaged me, and I didn't get a chance to do it. Yeah. but
7: yeah, I have to, I have to uh, look into it. But um, okay, look, I need your help with something here. Uh-oh. The, the, the stuff with Mike White, you know, the uh, the writer driving me a little nuts here. Okay, <clears throat> look, I, I we all know what the story is with Zach Wilson, and deservedly so. Right, we all know that Mike White has played better than Wilson. Okay, mm-hmm. just from what we've seen. Yeah, but the thing is, every you know, I can't say everybody. The majority of the people. Anointed this guy to be the answer, mm-hmm. okay, for the Jets. Now, maybe based on what they have at the moment, I might agree with that. But the guy has only won two games, okay, for them. Sure. I right. now, now, I, I've heard talk from other people, and I've tried to call in. You know, it's a lot harder during the day, as I'm sure you know. You work during the day, mm-hmm. and um, but you know, there, there are some there are some people out there, fans. Host, whoever, that basically have said that it, it, it would have been a given that the Jets would have won both games against New England had my way started those games.
0: No, you can't right. say that.
7: Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. That, that's exactly my point. Because, one, you're going to be against the best coach in NFL history, mm-hmm. who also, by the way, loves to make it a point of embarrassing the Jets however he can. Mm-hmm. Good. You don't think he would have been now – you know, maybe if he came in during the game you know uh, that you know, let's say Wilson got hurt or pulled or whatever mm-hmm. I can see maybe it might have been hard to adjust at that point mm-hmm. all right but it, going into the game knowing that he was the quarterback I gotta believe that he would have had some kind of game plan to go up against Mike White. All right absolutely so now now that's not to say he wouldn't have won the games but I can't say for sure that he would have you know that it's a given he would have won both those games, and the Jets would automatically right now be in the playoffs mm-hmm. right right now, at the same time, you know the, I think people are want him to be evaluated for next season, which i don't I don't argue with, mm-hmm. but uh someone brought up yesterday about Baker mayfield, you know like with, well, you know, given all the traveling he's done in the last year plus you know between teams oh, you know, the, what if Baker Mayfield came to the, no. the Jets and people are like, oh, well, yeah, thank you. But people are like, oh, no, he stinks or whatever. But yet he had a couple of phenomenal games recently for the Rams. Mm-hmm. So, what, so what's the difference between that kind of performance of his, of the last three, four weeks, and something of Mike White, what he's done with much less resume in the pros, okay, to go with but all of a sudden he's the answer and someone like bacon mayfield who i just named who's been around a lot longer in the pros was an automatic i didn't even finish what i'm saying and you said no Mm -hmm. which leads me to my point what's the difference between the two because to me you know you have you have mike white you know let's say you decide to make him the quarterback for all the next year who's to say he doesn't get exposed you know, halfway through the season as right. someone who really should be a backup. Right.
0: When the tape is out on him and he is the number one quarterback that they're game planning for, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I like Mike White. I like that the players rally around Mike White. But when you look at his numbers and you start comparing them around, I mean, 1.1 1. 1 touchdown a game. I mean, come on.
7: I mean, that's there's, a sh- there's a reason he's been bouncing around between a number of teams.
0: Right. And I love so. I love him. I love the story. It's a great story. He, I don't yeah. believe Mike White's a quarterback that's going to take you to the Super Bowl.
7: And look, I'm a Jet fan. I, I love the. I've watched the Jets for 40 plus years. Okay, you know it, it annoys me to no end that we can't find a guy to you know be consistent enough to even give us like a half a dozen years as a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, how how is it you get you you go from <clears throat> Ben Roethlisberger to Kenny Pickett or you know whoever's whoever's in there now? You get Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You know, Andy Dalton to Joe Burrow. Go back to, you know,
0: to Montana to Young. I mean,
7: yeah, right, right. I mean, there's some of these franchises that you know have have had one few coaches and few quarterbacks to have to work with over over probably half someone's lifetime. It's incredible to think about. Yeah, and yeah, you know, when I look at my team that that I root for, you know, they've had more coaches, GMs, <laughs> quarterbacks yeah. than you know, you know probably classes i had in college <laughs> you know, i mean I, 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 I just i mean it's, it's ridiculous i know so and i, I can't i'll leave it at this i just can't figure out how with all the different personnel that they've had you know working for the team that not one of these guys can get it right yeah it's amazing isn't it yeah right. and it's, anyway, and it's even different
0: ownership out. too between all the years yeah. you know
7: it's, yeah, well, that, that's well that's the difference there, okay. I'll grant you this. Leon Hess was a, was a great guy. Yeah, he just wasn't a football guy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Woody Johnson, I, I think. Part well, the main one of the major reasons why uh, Belichick left was because he didn't like the fact that Woody Johnson was coming in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, who's this? I mean, there, there's a lot of. I, I don't know. I wouldn't say doubt. I'm not. I'm not thinking of the right word. But uh, you know, as far as what his. Uh, how much he really thinks towards owning the the Jets, as opposed to uh, somebody like uh, you know the Dolan, who you know interferes all the time with the Knicks because he likes the Knicks, even right. though he's, he he doesn't do it properly. Right. So and he leaves uh, the Rangers alone, and they're always good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's, it's kind of funny that way. Rangers are successful. He, he doesn't have a hand in it. Yeah. You know, Dolan likes the Knicks. He goes to the games all the time. Yep. He. he uh, uh, it interferes with them, and they don't do well. But, it, but you know, he's, you know, a oh, better, better example, Steve Cohen with the Mets. He's a fan. Steinbrenner with the Yankees was a fan. You know, did whatever yeah. he could to improve the team. Woody Johnson does not give that impression. To him, it seems like it's just something that, to have in his back pocket. Yeah. Oh, I'm the owner of a football team. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Danielle, you have a great rest of the day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Eric. appreciate the call. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of tend to, to agree with that. Although I never met Woody Johnson, I mean, if you were really hands-on and, and, and proud of owning your team and this and that, well, then why are you taking an ambassadorship across the ocean? I mean, right? And leaving someone else in charge to the day-to-day. I don't know. Can we do – all right, let's do – hey, Douglas in the Bronx is up on the phone. Go ahead, Douglas.
12: Oh, hey, Danielle. Hi, good morning. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing good. I uh, Thanks for taking the trip down memory lane last night with you and Pete, talking about the Osborne. Yeah. Uh, if you remember, 21 years ago, there are Tuesday nights following the real world Chicago, and I tweeted you, that was the season that got me back into real world. And the WFAN connection, shortly thereafter, Stody Mac, who did the midday shift with Susan Walden, mm-hmm. was saying, I have to watch real world road rules challenge. <laughs> San Francisco's puck is competing in it and that discussion got me to check out oh i wonder what the show's all about 21 years later i'm still watching the challenge yeah i right so about that uh, yeah. you know what Douglas?
0: i did not get to watch tonight so don't spoil it for me
12: i did not either all right good not either so yeah, you're you're fine with me good. So i want to piggyback back on this uh steve cohen thing and i agree with eric from renconcoma uh, it was leading to my point but i i feel these other owners There is something underlying there with all that criticism and it's like um, an unspoken bitterness towards Steve Cohen because he is a fan like like with all these other owners, you see them when the team wins the World Series. They're the first ones to talk at the podium, but it's always cookie cutter, emotionless, Mm -hmm. like they treat their teams like a business asset. If the Mets win the World Series. Steve Cohen, he'll, he'll have tears in his eyes. He'll be so joyous. Oh, yeah. He'll be like us. He'll be like the Mets fan. And I also feel like in the NBA world that there is a resentment towards Mark Cuban for the same token. Like, he's a fan. He's a basketball fan. So it's like these other owners, they'd rather have owners like the ones from the movie Major League or our favorite show, Ted Lasso. Yeah. They'd rather have them lose every game. So more wins for them, right? But, right. Uh, Steve calling, yeah. And the, you don't hear any criticism from Philadelphia, the Phillies, because they're spending. San Diego, they're spending. Mm-hmm. They're on the map. Mm-hmm. So uh, these other complaining uh, owners, their teams are not on the map. Right. So there's a because, big jealousy there, too.
0: Right, because they're not putting the money in of all of the revenue streams that they have. I mean, $100 million they're getting in TV. and You're a TV guy. $100 million TV contracts mm-hmm. right off the bat for next season. And yet the highest paid player in the Oakland A's is making $6 million. Make it make sense.
12: Right. And, and yeah, it's like, and then, right. They had the gall to, to cry poverty yeah. in the last lockout. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. And I mean, this is and leading to why we had so many complicated ways to watch all these games on all these streamers. Oh, ridiculous. That's I mean, that's why they're getting all this money. Yep. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, still, yeah, there's a jealousy, there's an envy there. And there's, Again, that underlying bitterness—that that's really unspoken. But that, that's that's the cru- to me. I think that's the real crux yep. of it. Steve Cohen's a fan, and most of these owners are not fans of their teams.
0: Yep, it's an asset. It's a business. And thanks for that. And Ending on that, there, Douglas. It's an asset. It's a business. It's fun. But then you got guys like Steve Cohen that are like, we. I am all, all in to win it, and it shows. So, uh, got former NFL quarterback. Who did spend some time with the New York Jets? Matt Sims is gonna join me, Danielle McCartin, and you for a candid conversation about being a quarterback in New York and about the Jets entire situations. I'm telling you, you don't wanna miss this. I'm Danielle McCartin with you till six. here with Matt Sims, former NFL quarterback, including for the Jets. Uh, he's joining us now on the fan. Matt, thanks again for joining us.
13: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: All right, we got to jump right in. Zach Wilson, about him, Robert <laughs> Salah said, uh, we're not quitting on the young man, yet uh, Zach Wilson's relegated to street clothes during this playoff push. It certainly feels like it to me. What about
13: <laughs> <laughs> um You know, right now in the given situation, I, I do think it is best uh, for them to shelf uh, Zach Wilson in the present moment. Um, You know, I'm someone that's, you know, a strong supporter of anybody who starts quarterback, you know, with the New York Jets, with the New York Giants, because I understand how much pressure that comes with that job opportunity. Um, But in this certain situation right now, you know, I I just feel like he's a little bit a little bit off on his feet. You know, you can kind of see that he's uh, he's not really all there, you know, focused mentally. Um, I feel like he's playing a little bit just slow right now, slow decision-making, just not playing confident football right now. Um, And and I think that is the right move for the Jets currently as a team to move forward with Zach Wilson on the sideline. Um, I do think part of the reason why Zach Wilson is in the situation he's in is because of the situation the Jets created for him as well too. So I do think there is a uh, catch-22 to it, and I do think there is a situation where going forward, hopefully – Um, You know, Zach Wilson can can come out of this situation more mature um, with more experience as a man, as a quarterback, as a leader and and get another opportunity to uh, to play the game that I know he loves very much.
0: My question then being, I guess, is why not? I mean, we know what Joe Flacco is, so why not render him quarterback two rather than quarterback
13: three? Well, I think really right now what you're doing is you're protecting him from himself. You're protecting him from the fan base. And really, you're protecting him for whoever are the last few people maybe in that organization that still really strongly support him in his corner. You know, I think right now for him to be put as number two um, after everything that has has happened in the past few weeks, you know, there's still a level of distraction, you know, in your peripheral vision of all the other stuff that's going on. And if there is uh, the slightest bit of distraction going on for him personally, It's going to be very difficult for him, let's say, if Mike White goes in, gets re-injured, and for him to go into a game and to pull it together with everything going on, I think would be very difficult. And I think the fans themselves would make that very difficult. Um, So I think it is more so just a protection of the individual and the current state and just making sure that it's not any worse as the season comes to a close.
0: Understood. Now, you've you've been there. You've played the position. You've been in these rooms. So what is like – Cause I haven't. So what is the, how does the role of a quarterback three differentiate from a QB two in terms of like number of practice squad reps or participation in meetings or engagement during the game even?
13: Yeah. So, I mean, for everyone at home, it's really simple. The starting quarterback gets every rep in team um, besides maybe a handful of walkthrough reps that the coach thinks that are necessary for someone like Joe or Zach to get in preparation for the game. Other than that, I mean, Joe and Zach will basically be splitting up the practice squad reps, doing their best job of impersonating the other quarterback, the other offense that they're running against the defense. You know, the good thing is, is that Zach and Joe are getting reps against one of the better defenses in the league. So it's not like these are reps that, that should be uh, looked down upon or completely wasted. These are very important reps for him to continue to grow as a quarterback and as leader. Now, unfortunately, when he's number three, that means that he's getting the bottom end of those practice squad reps as well. So there won't be a ton of work to go to him, but nonetheless, he has to make the most of those opportunities. He has to put himself in game-like situations as much as humanly possible and continue to just attack what it takes to being an NFL quarterback, which is just the relentless pursuit of perfection, which we know at the game of football doesn't exist. You still have to continue to pursue it.
0: Matt Sims, former NFL quarterback, is with us on the fan. Uh, speaking of inactive quarterbacks, um, Raiders announced Derek Carr is going to be inactive, presumably for the rest of the season, but definitely this week. Um, first, do you like the fit, Carr to the Jets?
13: Man, I mean, it's definitely was something that would pique my interest for sure. It absolutely would. I mean, I think that's a guy that is, uh, you know, for whatever reason, in the realm of just hierarchy of quarterbacks. I do think that he is underappreciated. I think part of that has to do with the fact that just the Raiders have been an absolute debacle of a program for the past five years, um, with just all the different things that have gone on with them. But I mean, this is a dude that, you know, before he was injured and broke his leg was, you know, on his way to being an MVP type of caliber football player, you know, um, Now with them going to, you know, potentially in New York, I do think that would be a fantastic fit because I think he has the right amount of talent leadership. And I do think that he has, you know, obviously just the ability to manage crazy situations and to be a mature individual um, in handling the New York jets media and everything that goes along with that.
0: So there's, I guess one little hiccup here that no one seems to know about. He's got a full no trade clause. So take as a player, I mean can he just be like you know what no I'm done here I'm going to the Jets can he do that is it easy that easy
13: Yeah, I mean, that was something that I think, you know, I don't know all the details of that, but that would be something that, you know, Derek Carr, his agent and the Las Vegas Raiders uh, management side would have to come to an agreement upon maybe saying that you can only trade me to this team or something like that. So there could be addendums that are made to the contract originally. It could be readjusted. Absolutely. Uh, Just like they're always restructured for certain money situations. I can see that being a possible play in this situation, too.
0: Now he's he's owed like a lot of money. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but can, can that also be restructured or the Jets are locked into what the Raiders gave him?
13: Oh, all those things can be actually restructured. They absolutely can. You saw this past year actually with Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts. I think the Atlanta Falcons are actually paying the majority of his salary this season for him to play for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, And we've seen this in the past a few times too with other players where the previous team is actually playing for a good portion or a chunk of that money, and this is things that people have been debating about recently too, with guys like Aaron Rodgers, who still have another year on their deal. Whether or not you know the Packers decide to move on from him or do some sort of a deal with him, where they trade him or move him off to someplace else. So all these possibilities are are definitely um, you know possible. You know the question is really just will all these sides come to an agreement on you know one one solid thing?
0: Gotcha. Matt Sims joins us on the fan. I'm um, getting back to Zach Wilson and right. I know you have the Sims complete quarterback Academy and I know it's for high school kids and college kids, but
13: thanks for the shout out. I appreciate it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, uh, so, so, and I shouted it out last night too, but if Zach Wilson comes to you, right. You know, and Mm -hmm. he says, look, Matt, help me out, fix me. I know you're the guru here. You know, you look at him and how he plays. What's kind of like the process of what, what would you do to help him get back on track?
13: Well, I think just like in any relationship, the first thing really is for me to kind of open myself up, be vulnerable about the things that I've done well, that I haven't done well, the things that I maybe have regrets or missed out on as a person, as a player, and then kind of just show him too that like, Hey, I made some mistakes and it's okay. I'm still kicking. I'm still doing my thing. And Hey, I, I overcame a lot of these things, you know? So my thing would be originally just to kind of open up, present myself as someone that is also vulnerable, that is there to help him. Right. So he can kind of let his guard down too, and we can have that real one-on-one personal relationship. So I can learn more about, you know, what drives him, what, you know, ticks him off, what motivates him and all those certain things that go with, you know, playing the position. Um, and then just uh, from there just start to help rebuild him into the person that not too long ago was probably indestructible, you know, and this happens with a lot of football players, particularly when football players retire, right? Because they don't know how to transition to the next phase of their life. So it's very tough for, you know, as we say in the athletic world, right? It's like you, you have two deaths. Your first death is when you can't play the game anymore. And the second death is when you really die. You know, and sometimes that first death, man, it is hard. I'm still dying currently, you know, so I haven't completely died yet of that first one. But that would be the main thing, right, for me and Zach is just to, you know, present him as someone that can help him with no extra agenda to it. I don't really care if ESPN or these other guys talk about me. I'm here to help you, to help you perform better, to improve your mechanics and your confidence and what you do so you can go out there and play and have fun again in the game that you love.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen you out there doing it. So are you setting up cone drills for him? Are you, set, are you <laughs> setting up targets for garbage cans with like little broom sticking out of it for him? I mean what, what are you doing with with Zach Wilson? What's the plan?
13: Yeah. I mean, you know, what's the plan? I don't know. You're just going to have to come to a Sims complete training uh, session for it to, to see it, you know, but at the same time, you know, at, you're going to be, you're going to try to use as much imagination as possible. You're going to try to just be as encouraging as possible while still making it tough and still making him fight and scratch and claw for everything that he has learned and grown to love in the game. You know, so it's it's something that like it really can't be put into words exactly how it goes. Um, But it's something that, you know, it's possible to do and he is capable of doing it. And, you know, really, I just I wish the best for him, you know, in this situation, because I know. Uh, You know, for me personally, just how tough this position is and how easy it is to throw uh, someone's career away because of, you know, some bad moments. You know, we all have bad moments, but for whatever reason in sports and especially in football and quarterback in particular, you know, you don't always survive from them. You know, and we see that with Geno Smith this year. I mean, you know, thank God Geno was stubborn enough to continue to play and get better and fight through it because now he is on the back end of that. And he's a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, even though Russell Wilson got paid, you know, way more money than he did. Pete Carroll and Geno Smith are the exact match that they needed out of each other. And you know, that's what I hope for for Zach too going forward to have that opportunity for himself going forward again to rewrite the narrative of who he is as a person and as a player.
0: Matt Sims joins us on the fan. Um, so then as a quarterback, I mean, you've seen the Mike White t shirts, you've seen, you know, the frustration by the receivers on the field during the games. So like right. that's all that we could see as as fans here. But right how does Zach Wilson go about regaining that locker room? Cause he's the only quarterback on the roster for next year out of all of the ones.
13: Right. Right. And that that's where it is a little awkward. And, and this is a situation too, that like I can understand as well with Gino and myself, when we were in New York, you know, there was definitely some rumblings at the time when we were in New York, where a lot of the veteran football players and some of the other players on the team wanted me to play over Gino. And, you know, for whatever reason, I didn't get uh, that opportunity the same way that Mike white did. And it doesn't matter either. But nonetheless there was those rumblings, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody just wants to win football games. It really isn't anything personal to the individual, you know, and who he is or what he does, you know, or what he does off the field either. For the most part, if you come to work, you do your job, you do it well, the people want to see you out there playing and succeeding and helping, you know, the others play and win. And uh, you know, this is something that I can relate to the situation, and I know how difficult it is for Zach to do that. The best thing to do is to really just keep it super simple, right? As like the Marines and the Army people would say, like, kiss, keep it simple, soldier. You know, go in there, work hard, be humble, you know, earn the respect of the players the right way. And you know, the unfortunate. You know, think about that is, is that something that doesn't happen overnight? That happens over a long period of time, you know, from day in and day out. And, and that's really what he has to do. It's nothing. There's no secret sauce. There's no extra whatever to it. It's just go in there, be humble, work hard, you know, be vulnerable. When you need to improve on something, you know, agree that you need to improve on it and go and find a way with your teammates, with your coaching staff to slowly just pick those things apart so you can improve and get better as a player. Um, and, and hopefully he can do that. You know, hopefully that's a thing that's possible for him. And and the Jets create an environment in which that is possible for him to do it, too.
0: Right now, we've got Mike White the rest last two games of the season, maybe into playoff push. Who knows? Maybe. Um, What's his ceiling? Is it possible to see what his ceiling is? Just yet.
13: Yeah. I mean, Mike White has done a, a very good job in the situation that he's come under. Right. I mean, he's played well. He's played tough. He has good energy and confidence. Right. He's playing with the swagger. He's also the backup quarterback, too, as well. So there's really nothing for him to lose in the situation either. The good thing is, is that he's made the most out of it. The other odd thing about it, even though everyone talks so highly about Mike White, is that he's still one and two as a starter. So he still has the same issue with Zach Wilson, not getting enough wins as the starting quarterback. So this is where last time we discussed, you know, I still think that there is some room for growth as far as the offensive, you know, scheme uh, as a whole going forward. You know, obviously the loss of Hall at running back was extremely big and extremely important loss to this team. But that is something that I think going forward, you know, that is something they had to kind of revisit again to just make sure that they're improving each and every week as an offensive uh scheme and and just ability to create big explosive plays to gain momentum, to recapture momentum, to control the tempos of games like all the other great teams in the NFL have been doing.
0: So I have an uncle who lives now in California. He's from Nutley, but he's from he's living in California. <laughs> Every week I get the text, Danielle, LaFleur sucks. Get rid of LaFleur. So (laughs) obviously that's the fan perspective. But I guess what is one thing LaFleur does well? And what is one thing he needs to work on with this particular offense?
13: Yeah, well, and this is something we discussed last time I was on the show as well. That is that LaFleur is a very good coach. He's a young coach, though, as well. He has been a guy that has been around Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniels, all those guys, Matt LaFleur as well, his brother at Green Bay. Um, and he's seen a lot of really good football. He's been around a lot of winning franchises. I think now really the biggest question is, is that he's got to find his own little niche You know, to the players that he has and maximizing that as much as possible. That is something that, you know, unfortunately, his brother Matt doesn't have to do very much because he has one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So he knows that at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is kind of going to correct some of the things that maybe they aren't as on top of as they should be. All right. But nonetheless, they still learn from those opportunities with being around Aaron. Um, You know, but he's been around Kyle. He's been around Mike. He's been around all these guys that are super smart and know exactly what to do. Now that he's on his own, you know, he's got to balance, obviously, Coach Sala and what he thinks is right, too. So it's really just him finding his own uh, niche, like I said, as far as just ways to create more opportunities for his playmakers. You know, I mean just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for example, you know, they have uh Goodwin, one of the receivers has 50 catches that are behind the line of scrimmage. You know, out of his 80 catches, 50 of them are behind the line of scrimmage. Like that's a ridiculous stat. So the fact that like they're finding the simplest easy way in the world to get him the football in space as much as they possibly can is a good thing. Now, nonetheless, we don't want to compare ourselves to the Tampa Bay offense but they are finding ways that are very simple, right? But taking advantage of guys' skill sets and getting them the football with space as much as humanly possible, despite the fact that they don't have an offensive line that can protect very well, which has given them an opportunity to compete here late in the year. Those will be things that LaFleur has to find his little thing going forward. It's just multiple ways to run the same play over and over to confuse the defense, but to still get the football into Elijah Moore you know, and all those guys' hands going forward. Forward.
0: And to me, I look at it, I'm like, all right, well, he's got to work with Joe Flacco, who's basically a statue back there. And then he's got to work with Zach Wilson, who is very mobile. I mean, not i to make any excuses for him, but I feel like it, the playbook is different, like completely different for every quarterback that's out there based on their own, their skill set.
13: Yeah, I mean, I would say that's different more so for the mentality of the quarterbacks. Um, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily their athleticism is the biggest difference, right? You know, with Zach Wilson, he absolutely can move better than Joe Flacco. You know, but nonetheless, we haven't seen enough of that from Zach Wilson on the NFL field enough, where he's made those off the cuff plays as often or as consistently as he would like, right? Or as we expected. You know, so going forward, you know, all these guys, everyone on TV and all that, they try to make it seem like, well, with this quarterback in, we're going to run this different offense. It's not the case the offensive coordinator runs the stuff that he feels confident in and he feels most confident for that particular individual, but he really doesn't stray too far away, right? From that foundation of the install playbook, you know, that they did all the way in August, you know, really all it is is just finding new ways to do those basic things that we did really well all the way in August that apply to the team that we're competing against this weekend.
0: Got it. So um, Jets are win now, (laughs) you know, so for next season, Um, considering free agents and now this whole Derek Carr wrinkle, um, who would be your, or who would be in your ideal
13: quarterback room for the Jets? QB one, two, three. Um, you know, for QB one, two, three, well, one, I just, I hope Zach Wilson is still there, you know, because I, I just, you know, I would think that for them to discard him in this situation, you know, would be, would speak volumes. It would speak volumes about the management and their process of actually, uh, you know, going through, you know, actually picking him in the first place, you know, for you to discard somebody that you spent a number two pick on and spent all this time evaluating and to discard him like that is almost more so a black eye to yourself than it is to Zach Wilson. So I want them to be a little bit more patient with that situation, unless some sort of a or situation just makes it impossible for them to say no. Uh, the other aspect of it is like, I would maybe potentially go all in for a guy like an Aaron Rodgers, for a Tom Brady and say, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just take advantage of the fact that we have a ton of really good football players on rookie contracts. Let's bring in like a huge name guy. Let's allow him to work with a guy like LaFleur and educating on what he has done well in the past with his, multitude of, uh, of coaches that he's had in his career and mesh the two together you know this is where I think you've seen guys like like Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur and also Nate Hackett you know who was just fired you saw just three great minds together creating a great offense and I think that's why they've had such great success in Matt and Coach LaFleur's early career there in Green Bay The same thing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady had so many great offensive coordinator minds in New England with Weiss, with McDaniel. He took all that knowledge that he had. He took it down there to Tampa Bay, right? And now Byron Leftwich is aware of all of those things on top of the stuff that he already knew from the Bruce Arians type of style. So that's where you see these amalgamations of just different offenses and different schemes and different ideas come together. So you're going to have, you know, the, the LaFleur's background with Shanahan, which is great. And then the potential of a veteran quarterback, whether it be Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, come in there and maybe tweak or add things that they did extremely well or wrinkles that he never thought of that he did with other coaches and build even uh, a new rapport of as their understanding and knowledge of the game.
0: And the trickle down, obviously, to Zach then would be correct.
13: Correct yes and that's where i really you know that's why i say i hope zach is still there because i think it would be a great opportunity for zach to be you know the backup or the third string quarterback of the jets roster with a guy like derek Carr who is a grown man in that situation or a tom brady or or even an aaron rodgers whoever else is out there potentially as a veteran free agent i think that would be just so important for him to be just a fly in the wall and absorb all of those lessons that that he can learn.
0: So the Jets need to win final question here. The Jets need to win uh win out. Patriots need to lose one game. Right? The Jets are making the playoffs this season.
13: Uh do I think they're make it's possible for sure. I'm not going to say yes or no, but I would say that, you know, it they're they're definitely uh 65% chance for me. So I'll do I'll do the analytics uh type of thing right there for me. Matt Sims says a 65% chance to make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I wish them well. I I wish them and the Giants well. I I love uh, our local teams here. Always root for them. And, uh, And, hey, you know, if the Jets need any incentive as far as just continuing to coach and mature, you know, and mentor young quarterbacks. I mean, look at Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones has done a phenomenal job, and he's doing it with. Uh, You know, a group of receivers that isn't necessarily known for their talent or athleticism or being a receiver one unit. You know, he's doing great. He's made tremendous strides as a quarterback, as a leader. You see it with Dayball, too. You see how Dayball interacts with him now, which is so different than what we saw in September. So it's super refreshing. So all the fans out there, man, don't you know, don't just discard this dude and say that he stinks forever. You know, because I know most Jets fans, man. You know, all the quarterbacks are better than you think they are until they stop playing for the Jets, you know? So, you know, and that's the thing. They all hate on everybody. Everybody hated Chad Pennington, Chad Pennington, excuse me. But Chad's the man, and he's always a hero in Jets history, you know, and everybody wears those 10 jerseys. But when he played for the Jets, Everybody hated him because he wasn't sexy enough, you know? So (laughs) let's just be patient with our quarterbacks. Let's work through some of these hiccups that he has. Let's give him an opportunity to improve as a person, as a player. And hopefully on the other end of it, you know, it's a Super Bowl for the New York Jets eventually.
0: Wow. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Yeah,
13: let's go. Let's go.
0: (laughs) You're awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
13: No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Look forward to it.
0: clock in the morning wake it up get up it's time to start your day with some harry styles with some danielle mccarton and with some pete kennedy wake it up you just heard how great is matt sims how great is matt sims you just heard him he just suggested that aaron Rodgers and tom brady he would like to see it with the jets he would like to see it he wants to push all the chips to the center of the table i think the idea is great but is it actually possible? I don't know. Again, I asked him what his, his ideal quarterback room would be for the New York Jets for next season and beyond. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady were the first names that he said. You heard it. But at the same time, not giving up on Wilson. So obviously Matt Sims is bringing the big guns. One or two. First Hall of Fame, First ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks is what he wants on this Jets team. I mean, Rodgers would would elicit one of the biggest trade packages we've probably ever seen in the NFL. Maybe I'm speaking in hyperbole, but it's going to be big because Green Bay is going to want to reload their entire team if he goes, right? Can't blame him. Although the New York Jets do have the picks to to do something like that. So do you sacrifice the future to potentially win it now with the help of Aaron Rodgers? If you're asking me, I say no. Tom Brady's also available via free agency. This would only cost the Jets money. And, I mean, this has the the, the potential to quite literally pay off. And when Brady went to Tampa, you know, the Bucs won the Super Bowl that first year he was there. So Brady's my first choice. I always assumed that was unattainable, so I never really talk about it. Um, and I still think it's unattainable, so I'll kind of leave him out of it. But, but you know, either way, it's got to be a veteran quarterback, as Matt pointed out. Especially to, to, you know, to help the young offensive coordinator along. That's what he said, and I agreed. And then I added in the trickle-down effect to the whole entire offense, but more particularly to the young quarterbacks in the room, including Zach Wilson, who I would still keep as QB3. And my motto always is, even as a coach with, with, you know, with kids, you never give up on talent. Well, Zach Wilson must have had some talent to be where he's at and, and to have been selected where he was. I mean, like, right? Like... The Jets really couldn't have whiffed that badly on evaluating him, like, right? Could they have? I mean, they hit on a lot of other picks. Jermaine Johnson, Sauce Gardner, and and, they did a good job. Joe Douglas, I'm talking. So could it have been that he really whiffed that badly on Zach Wilson? Or is there more going on here that we don't know? Either way, me, Daniel McCartan, I am keeping Zach Wilson as my QB3 just to learn next season. Just to learn. What are you doing? Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. 337 Carmel, you're up on the fan. Good,
14: good morning again, Danielle. How right, are you? Talked to you yesterday. How's it
0: going?
14: Oh, it's going awesome, man. I love the show. I, I'm so disappointed when I called the board. Uh, you know, it was too late to speak to Matt. But, uh, you know, interestingly, I thought <clears throat> I'm old enough, and I don't know if you, you know, just through your career, no, no, but I, I thought of this. <clears throat> it. Clearly, in 1982, if you remember, he come Phil Sims gets drafted out of Moorhead State in '78. Yep. The whole room in the the old felt forum starts booing when they announced his name. Mm-hmm. Roselle says Phil Sims. The whole place starts screaming. Like, really? what did you just do? He gets benched by Parcells, the quarterback in I believe 1981. He got benched for Scott Bruner out of Delaware. I remember.
3: You know, him. They, yeah, that when they made
14: that run with Rob Carpenter and played the Eagles in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know they. In the fourth year, if the Giants had the chance of, you know, extending and taking the fifth year option, I'm telling you, where Phil Sims was at in that organization, they wouldn't have done it, just like the Giants did with Phil Sims this year. I mean, with uh, Daniel Jones this year. Right. It wasn't until, what was it, 86? Year eight of Phil Sims' career that he had an off- the lunch pail gang, you know, that, uh, you know, grinder offensive line protection. And, uh, I think Daniel Jones, at this point in his career, you look at it, was ahead of Phil Simms, and I think you won't argue. Phil Simms will go. If if he had not gotten hurt and they still won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. when Settler replaced him, mm-hmm. when he got hurt in Buffalo, mm-hmm. Phil Simms, in my opinion, is in the Hall of Fame. A, a two-time Super Bowl quarterback champion, MVP, arguably played the greatest game in the – well, not even arguably. He he has the greatest quarterback performance, in my opinion, in the history of the NFL, 22-25. And his receivers were Phil McConkie, um, I don't even know. I mean, he didn't even have great off- uh, offensive lineman, but he had Joe Morris mm-hmm. in the best offensive line in football. Yep. And you look at, they have Barkley, they have Andrew Thomas, who I think is a top-five offensive tackle right now. I think he should have been in the Pro Bowl. Yep. Evan Neal is at a great year blocking. Struggle with the pass protection like uh, Andrew Thomas did. Feliciano. Yeah, he's Feliciano. A rookie, I mean,
0: he's, he's a rookie, right? So
14: only up from there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to get your opinion. Now, if you look at it and compare it, A, I wanted to get your thoughts on Phil Sims. Am I wrong? Is if he wins that second Super Bowl as the starting quarterback, is he a Hall of Famer? If you look at his career stats versus Joe Namath,
7: mm-hmm. the, he dwarfs
14: Joe Namath. It's not. You should look it up. It's not yeah. even close. I yeah. mean, he's light years ahead of Joe Namath. But if you were to ask the average guy on the street, Phil Sims or Joe Namath, automatically they would say Joe Namath. I think. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. You know where. You know, when you look at Danny Jones, and I know you and I are Daniel jo- Jones uh, backers, mm-hmm. but it doesn't even compare. I mean, Phil Simms would be on the trash heap if it was, you know, you take 1982 and we fast forward to 40 years later. So yeah, I, I, mean, I just want to get your thoughts. Yeah,
0: I was born in 88, so I never really saw Phil Simms actually play, you know, with my own eyeballs. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm the best person to ask about that, but I'll take your word for it. If, if his numbers are better than Joe Namitz, and Joe Namitz is already in there, um, then, then why not?
14: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, thanks for the call there, Chris. And we're not going to go into, you know, well, let's dust off the encyclopedias here. Everybody can get out the stats of some obscure quarterback and compare them against, you know, two of them, and they should be in let Let's not do that. But uh, listen, if, if we're talking Daniel Jones, and that's kind of where he was doing the comparison, if, if we're talking Daniel Jones, I mean, there's there's no reason why the Giants should not offer him money. And there's no reason why he should take a hometown discount, quote-unquote, to stay with the Giants. He's going to be in demand across the league. He is. He just is. And if the Giants can figure out a number that makes him happy to placate him and he feels okay with, you know, taking that deal, then fine. Then you really need to start building around him. It's starting with round one, a wide receiver in this draft. Round one. But I hate going down like draft path, draft path here because you know what? It's, it's, it's going to be January, January 1st, and the Giants are going to be winning into the playoffs. So, Let's. I'm gonna do coach speak here. Let's let's channel our thoughts on on the here and now. We're worried about the draft and all that. When when we get to it, we the football community when we get to it. But um, yeah, Daniel Jones. I was always a supporter of him for sure. Uh, Maury and Belmore, you're up on the fan.
2: Good morning.
4: Great show, coach. Thank you. You know, and let's enjoy, like you just said. You know, I was gonna talk about the Jets and having a somebody behind or a veteran for this kid to learn. Yes. You know, even as a third. Yeah, it not only helps, he's number two pick. I think, personally, he's just too tiny. He's a, he, I, I don't think he could survive in the NFL, but I could be wrong.
0: But again, I mean, I if think we, we talked about this the other night. I mean, he's 6'2". Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. he's bigger than you think he is. And and Drew Brees yeah. was six foot Because we looked this up yesterday, you know. Maybe, yeah, maybe. potentially, but maybe. Justin Fields is 6'3".
4: Maybe my Italian grandmother could fatten him up a little bit. Maybe make <laughs> him something like that. Maybe some lasagna with some fat fat meat in it, that'd be good for a lot of bread.
0: That's not going to make uh, them grow any taller, though. It'd be, make them grow yeah, like,
4: wider. Yeah, maybe wider. I'm not sure. But let's see what happens. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. But with Daniel Jones, you got to give him a three-to-five-year contract. Yeah. I don't know, what, thirty twenty five million. $25 Hometown and not, I mean, I think the coach and these guys have created a beautiful relationship. I think we yes. need to do it. But you said it: build around an, you know, give them a couple of wide receivers, an offensive line. I remember back in the day, you know, Sims had Jumbo Elliott. It was consistent. Roberts, they were some big tanks, leading the, you know, leading him mm-hmm. and helping him be successful. And always adversity first. You know, 1985 when we lost to the Bears because we, uh, you know, Sean Lindetta lost it in the end zone. Yeah. The next year we won the Super Bowl. So a lot of ups and downs to get to where you need to go. If we can make the playoffs, the Giants and the Jets, this year, come on. You know, I'll take it. Yeah, we I, need scraps these days. It's been
0: too long. I know, Maury. And if and if and if I told you, let's rewind, and we're at August 1st, and I said, Maury, the Jets and the Giants are going to have the potential to make the playoffs on the 29th of December – what would you say?
7: I'd say, let me play some lotto because I don't believe it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, like like so you, you said when you started, it. just you're know, take it in now. Like, this this is it hasn't been this in a really long time here. A really long time for either of these two teams. I think the closest was the Giants in, what, 2016? One wild card? Yeah. That was it? Come on. Yeah. It wasn't pretty either. And real quick on the
4: Yanks, you know, yeah. left field. You know, don't we have – I mean, is, is our, you know, farm system that depleted – that we don't have somebody that can at least we could put out there that's a young, rising star that we have to now deplete it even more to get the kid from Pittsburgh. So I'm a little disappointed in the way it all went down with Ben but but um, I don't know. Let's see what happens. But we need to fill that spot. I mean, yeah. I can't go into the season with, uh, you know. with, with Oswald with Peraza,
0: oh, my God. The guy can't even not play a, a, a pop-up. He doesn't take the right route to the ball. That.
4: Put 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 the old man in that position there, and even Stanton if he gets hurt, and the next thing you know, there's a glutton. You know, who knows? But we need to solve that before we get into 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 spring. Yep. But uh, look, always enjoy the show. I love
7: that you're doing back to back to back to back to back. It's fantastic.
4: <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah, thank I'll you. All too. right, we'll talk tomorrow, Heather, Uh and I'm just looking at the Yankees pipeline here. Uh, the closest outfielder. Uh, how do I say this? They, they rank them in 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 their ability, right? And so, the first outfielder on their list is Everson Pereira. He is ready, uh, and it doesn't say exactly what position he plays, but it says that he is major league ready. So maybe this guy's going to get a real shot in uh, in uh, in spring training. But um, I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think you can go with another quote unquote unproven you know, right now with the way this Yankees team is. I mean, they're ready. They're ready now. So whether that I, I, I don't hate the idea of going out and getting Brian Reynolds. You heard um, the general manager come out and say, hey, we've got a, sur-, he said a surplus of, of infielders. I think he even said middle infielders, or maybe I inferred that, but they have a surplus of middle infielders on this Yankees team. And you know what? Maybe a package one of them or two of them. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, oh my God, I'm forgetting Jason Dominguez. Oh my, how did I skip right over that name? I'm sorry. You know why? Because I saw Volpe, Peraza, Wells and, and then I skip right to Peria. Jason Dominguez is, is 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 but he's only he's only level two. He's like a double A ball. He's not ready yet. Not ready to come out. And that's what they're projecting. Um, so no, he, he's not ready. Whereas Everson Pereira, this is M L B pipeline. They're saying he's MLB ready now, right now. They're usually right about these things, quite honestly. So I don't know. Uh, but I don't think it's gonna be I cannot watch Aaron Hicks out there. I cannot watch Oswaldo Peraza out there. I just can't. And it got it really exposed in, in the postseason. So I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, the solution was Benintendi. And, and to me, to not go a 50 year on Benintendi was the, was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, come on. Come on. You took on $50 million to bring in Josh Donaldson. That's money. I understand that. But Benintendi is a much better hitter than Donaldson. To me, five, you want five years? Fine. You got five years. Done. Back to the phones. Uh, uh, Brett in uh, in Jersey. Brett, what's up?
2: Yeah, I don't think the Mets need Carlos Correa. I think we have um, um, Mauricio. He's, he's, he could be the power of the guy that we're looking for. The one that's, um, Could be. Not right, the ball.
0: Key phrase being could be. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. yeah. I don't. I you know what? I don't know because again, just
2: like the well, Yankees. Okay. I mean, this
0: this team is win now.
2: I know, but Mauricio is killing Winterball, and uh, I think Mauricio and Alvarez may be the power we're looking for.
0: Uh, where's Alvarez going to play? If you're going to tell me DH, uh, then I'm going to keep him. Get his reps at catcher in AAA. Yeah,
6: sorry. That's a thought.
0: Yeah,
2: no, I know. I, I It's it's a thought, right? It, it's something... And, we, and, um... Yeah. Like, I want, we could be... You know, like the Braves keep building from the, uh, the Miners and they yeah. uh, have homegrown Georgian talent,
3: you
2: know? Yep. We could be the Braves of the North. Um, we mean Alonzo and McNeil from um, Mets. And Nemo is um, homegrown.
6: Yeah,
0: of course they are. Yeah, they all started on the Las Vegas, uh, what was it, 51s, 61s, whatever it was?
2: Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: along with DeGrom. Yeah, you know, and of course he's not there anymore. But yeah, I mean,
7: and Rosario and um, Jimenez are killing Cleveland today. I
0: know, I know. I talk. You know what? I talked to Jimenez uh, when I when me my dad and I went to uh, what was it Labor Day weekend? We went to to Cleveland, and I got to talk to Cle- and Jimenez, and I said, you know, I really liked you. I didn't tell him what I did. You know, I was just a fan, right? So I said, I really liked you on the Mets. He goes, he already, he basically inferred that, he already told me that we're playing in New York. Like, he knows the schedule. He is waiting to show the Mets what they're missing out on him.
2: Yeah. That was a bad, I mean, we got Lindor and Carrasco did it last year. Mm-hmm. Those, those are homegrown. You know, we could have got them.
0: Lindor's homegrown?
2: No, I mean, the, the trade. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and thanks for the call there, Brett. And the, the problem is, if, if it's not Correa, you better not miss on any of these guys as your quote unquote big bat. Because Brett Beatty, in his, you know, when he got caught, he, he started off hot. The whole story, you know, the, whole, the first home run, all that, he hit 185. He right now is not your big bat. If you're bringing up Francisco Alvarez just to swing a bat, then in my opinion, you keep him down in AAA. You cannot pigeonhole Francisco Alvarez into a DH position and he doesn't get any reps at catcher. That's not an ideal scenario for your number one overall catching prospect. No, I'm not doing that either. Mauricio, okay, fine. It, It does say that he's MLB ready. Give him a look in spring training. But he's a shortstop. Willing to switch to third base to accommodate Lindor? I don't know. Lindor willing to switch their base to accommodate Mauricio? Probably not. So if your owner wants to go out there and go ahead and get Carlos Correa, you let the owner go out and get Carlos Correa. And here we are at 5.17 in the morning, and nope, no, I just checked again. Still no Carlos Correa news. We're going to start putting out the bat signal here on the roof. You're doing some construction on the roof, but we'll get up there. We'll put it like a New York Mets symbol into the sky to summon Steve Cohen and say, hey, What's the holdup here? But for me, the holdup um, it's it's not a big a deal. As some people are making it. Like I, I, for me, it's just they're really going through line by line, character by character on this contract, and they're hammering it out. They're figuring out ways to to placate both sides. You know, to, for the Mets to get what they want in, in in terms of like injury protection, some clauses for that, and for you know Correa and Boris to get what they want, which is the money in the years. They'll come together. They'll figure it out. I'm just hoping it's during my show. I just, I'm just being selfish there. Um, The worst case scenario would be if it was like 6.01. We talked about this about this time yesterday. I remember I had a show here. It was a daytime show. It was a day, it was like this week, last year. And I forget who it was. But Madeline Burke came on and she was the final hour. Then we went out to lunch afterwards. And I got, like, as soon as we walked into the restaurant, a nearby restaurant, I got a notification that whatever team made a big move. And I was like, come on, this couldn't happen 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago.
5: Well, at least that's the beauty of live radio. That if it happens, you know, it, it's happening for you as well. If you were more full fledged in the podcast game, which you yeah, know, that's more of my scene at this point in time, you know, you record an episode, you edit it, you post it, you write up a description, you make a title, Yes. maybe make a graphic for your YouTube thumbnail, <laughs> yeah. and then it's yeah. just irrelevant yeah. instantly. So at least live radio, you can bounce with the punches.
0: Yeah, I got the Kodai Senga uh, thing, the the announcement. 11.30, 11.32 p.m. on a Saturday night, Kodai Senga's
5: a Met. You can't really ask for much more than that.
0: I know. And I wanted him. It wasn't like a player that I was like, oh, yay. No, like, and I would tell you that I was like, no, oh, that would be the wrong move.
5: That was a great move, and I said I, and I loved it. I said that you couldn't ask for much more than that, but you are asking for more than that. Because uh, you're just, asking for it again. Yeah, it just to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so hard
0: about that. <laughs> uh, so it's been a big mishmashy show, and I love those kinds. It's like you pick up the phone line, and you're like, hey, what's it going to be now? So uh, we've talked in depth about Steve Cohen and uh, probably the biggest topic of the night. I would, I would say is, is the takeaway here is, is Steve Cohen and, and the money and the spending of the money. Is it bad for baseball? That's kind of the essential question there. And, and for me, my answer, absolutely not. It's great for baseball. And, and I put up a poll on Twitter and uh, it closed a little while ago. I said, is Steve Cohen's spending spree quote unquote good for baseball? And if you were listening at the time a couple hours ago and you and you voted in it, eighty-seven percent of people said yes, it's good. And I understand that probably a lot of those people are Mets fans, but there's many other reasons why I think that that whether objectively, right? I'm always objective. Objectively speaking, this spending and these contracts, this is this is good for baseball. So I'll explain that coming up next here on The fan. welcome back to the fan my name is danielle mccartan you got me for another half an hour or so sal and uh, and jerry recker are filling in for boomer and geo they'll be in the studio next door coming your way at 6 a.m until then got about 30 minutes to rock and roll here so such a dad saying i know uh so we're just talking about steve cohen and, and his willingness to spend money is it bad for baseball mm, so obviously that's a complex question many layers to it right for the players, it's great. I mean, it's absolutely great. And if you're a player that has no intention of signing with the Mets, you get the Mets involved. You bump your price up, you, you know, your your, uh, your contract up, the, the the money on the contract, and then you don't ever sign with them. So, so you know, the Mets could be used, but but that's all right, right? But ultimately, looking at the big game, the game, and all of the teams in within the game of baseball, is it a good thing? Like initially, my reaction was like, like, no, man, like that's not good. Think of the the I don't know the small market teams, the Kansas City Royals. Think of the Oakland A's, and think of like all these teams that like really never ever really have a chance. And now you got a guy spending you know overnight three hundred and fifteen million dollars on on a player that's just a player to have, although they do need him, but not all you know you know what I mean? It's it's a luxury. Carlos Correa from the Mets would be a luxury at this point. But then I started thinking. About a, I've been ruminating on this on a week for about a week. Those small market teams, I don't feel bad for them. And you got the, all these anonymous, you know, high-ranking officials, executives, obviously from small markets, they're complaining to all these different outlets. You know what I mean? So, here's the thing: these small market teams don't forget that they get a cut of the dollars. Paid from each team that exceeds whichever level of luxury tax. That's literally what the luxury tax is there for. And if they don't spend it on reinvesting for their their own team, I mean, that's their problem. So, like, even with this new CBA, they, the Mets would have been taxed for exceeding, you know, the highest level of threshold at 75% in, in the old CBA. Now it's 90%. So how I read that is these small market teams, they're going to be raking even More cash in from this stream, from this luxury tax stream. And of the 30 baseball owners or ownership groups, 24 of them are billionaires with a B. And 13 of those 24 are worth over $3.5 billion. So that translates to me, they can spend the money. They're just choosing not to. And what about this? How about this? Every team, every single team, the Yankees, the Mets, the A's, the Royals. They're making at least $100 million in TV money to start the season off. And the New York Post said it's a value that around half the league does not invest in its team each year. I mean, really, truly, case in point, you're being handed money and you're not putting it back in your team. I don't feel bad for you. You don't want to spend the cash to improve your team? That's a you problem. So Steve Cohen, I've got no problem with it. It makes the game exciting again. It gets people into it again. I mean, were you not excited to see the news that they overnight, you woke up and you saw Carlos Correa might be a Met for how much money? You know what made that happen? Money. So no, I don't feel bad. They cry poverty. I just don't feel bad for them. Step it up. Step it up or sell the team if you're going to be complaining about it. That's a you problem. That's not a Steve Cohen problem. That's a you problem. Joe in Lindhurst, New Jersey. You're up, Joe. How
4: are you doing, Dan? Great. How are you? Yeah, it was just uh, pretty good. I was listening to your uh, Steve Cohen uh, talk. So a couple of things, right? Uh, I don't uh, blame Cohen for spending money. He's a businessman. I had called in earlier in the show last week. Mm -hmm. Look, he he looks at the Mets as an investment, long-term investment, right? So if he has to put money into it, you know, so be it you got to spend money day, to make money if they're successful that that value of that franchise goes up he looks at it as an investor as a professional investor he's not worried about if this year he's a, his net profit is 50 million up or 50 million down mm-hmm. he, he, he's a stock guy I know well I know him well from 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 Wall Street right so that's number one number two look the owners at the end of the day what they're doing is criminal to a certain extent because they're not spending the money mm-hmm. that they have For an investment. So if I was the fan base in certain these small towns, it's it's ridiculous what's going on. But good 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 for the Mets and and look, everybody's spending a little bit of money now. The Phillies are, the Giants are, the Yankees are. Mm -hmm. So this is not about Cohen anymore. It's about really making a viable franchise. People go out to the game. They want they want to see a good a good product. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of noise about Cohen. But the reality is, you know, the baseball unions, you know, they have they they have the, the, the teams to a certain extent with the with this, uh, you know, with no cap at, at a certain level where they can like unlike football where you know these guys are hamstrung a little bit. Right. Let them go out and spend money. Right. Go, good for Cohen. Good yeah. for the Mets fans. I'm a Mets fan for 50 years. Spend more money. <laughs> I'm not worried about his 13 billion. It's
12: earning plenty of interest yep. uh, every year. It's yep. That's fine.
0: Yep, and Joe, thanks for the call there and what they should do, really, in, in Major League Baseball. And I know it was talked about in the CBA, but they should have enact a salary floor because the example we talked about a little bit earlier this morning is, all right, John Fisher owns the Oakland Athletics. He's worth $2.3 billion. He bought the team for $180 million 17 years ago. It's now worth $1.18 billion. The estimated projected total payroll of his entire team for, for this upcoming season, $49.4 million. The highest paid base salary on that team is uh, Trevor May. Something like $6 million. That's, that's almost, I don't want to use the word criminal, but that's a huge disappointment that this guy is worth so much. He's made so much on this team and his investment into this team that he can't field. I mean, they've got players, except for one, two, three, four, five players on that team. They're all, the rest of them are all, all in arbitration or pre-arbitration years. That is a freaking minor league team. And that's embarrassing to the game of baseball. Not Steve Cohen spending his money. No way. Sean in Nanuet, New York. You're up on a fan. Hey, Daniel.
4: Uh, listen, I've been listening for over a week now. I've been listening to PT. I've been listening to you coming home at night.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
4: these Yankee fans, man, I, they're unbelievable They've been doing this for 25, 30 years, picking the best players from everybody's team. Uh, you know, they, now they're sitting crying about Steve Cohen.
9: I'm, I'm just laughing at them. I'm going, like, how how can you even do that? I, I, I don't even understand that. It. It's not, it's not it's about
0: just, that. It's the small market executives that are crying about Steve Cohen. That, 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 that These owners don't want to spend their billions on their team. It's just something that they can play with.
9: But I understand, but if you've been listening to the fans for the last seven days, whether it's nighttime at this time or during the day, it's Yankee fans calling in and crying and moaning about how I'm spending money. And we're like, Steinbrenner's done that for years and years and years.
0: Well, Sean, you... I, this is Sean. This is my third shift this week, and I haven't had one of those single calls. I haven't.
9: During the day, that's all you hear.
0: I was on during the day, the two days ago. I didn't get a single one of those calls. Sorry. I don't know.
9: They, 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 they were on there. But my second point is what you just said. So... The Oakland Days, Pittsburgh, the Royals. These guys had like at one point, five, six players
4: that were all star players. But as soon as they came up to contract, they they were getting rid of them. They were making their money on them.
3: Yeah,
9: they weren't reinvesting anything in. Them. Yep, absolutely not. One yeah. more point. That's a problem. For my Jets, Jets jet season ticket holder. What do we do
4: with that closing? We 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 can't we can't do this for another year.
0: No, cannot. And, and thanks. I will hang up so sure you can hear the answer here, Sean. But no, what are you going to do with Zach Wilson? You're going to render him QB3 uh, for the entirety of next season. Only come in when, in emergency situations when needed. You're going to go out and you're going to get yourself a veteran quarterback. My recommendation is Jimmy Garoppolo. Forget about Derek Carr. Derek Carr has not won a single game. Or, or let's just say, because it's a team game, right? A Derek Carr-led team. Has not won a single game where the temperature was 37 degrees or or less at kickoff. That's not going to bode well here because the dome on MetLife Stadium is not yet installed. So forget the Derek Carr dreams. I mean, and, and and this season alone. I mean, this season alone. I know there's probably other stuff going on there, change of scenery and everything, but I mean, 14 interceptions. Which is tied for worse in his career, completion percentage second worse in his career, off-target percentage worse in his career, first downs per game, second worse in his career. I mean, a nine-year career. All of that. You want that? A guy who has a reputation of choking? A guy who, who, who hasn't won a game where the, when, a, when, a, when the kickoff temperature is 37 degrees or fewer? Cold never bothered me anyway. The cold absolutely bothers Derek Carr. You don't want him in a Jets uniform, or a Giants one for that matter. No. And he's got a full no-trade clause, by the way. You think he's going to want to wave it to come here? I don't think so. Kevin, in the car. On the car phone, Kevin. What's up?
15: Yeah, just quickly, back to the baseball before sure. I get to the Jets point. I mean, you could do an entire show on uh... – antitrust laws and the collective bargaining agreement with baseball yeah. would be a fascinating show that's a whole other thing to get into about salary cap and hard caps compared to the other sports yep. but to the nfl i wanted to go back to a comment you made about 30 minutes ago about you didn't think it was possible the jets could whiff on a quarterback i think in the history of nfl quarterbacks being drafted there's been so many whiffs on this just look at mayfield and darnold recently that are basically whiffs. You could go back to Jamarcus Russell. I don't have all the stats in front Mm -hmm, of me, but mm -hmm. there's been a history of NFL teams whiffing on quarterbacks, and this quarterback so far has lost the locker room, and he's lost the fans, which are two nails in his coffin uh, that are very, very difficult to come back from. So is it possible, that to use your term, that they whiffed? I think it's very, very possible it's not already happened. I'm not saying you're going to trade him or cut him, Uh but... They, they might have whiffed, and he's already lost two of the big things. Which is the he might have lost the coaching staff. I was just too. about to say that you <laughs> read
0: my mind. Get out of my mind.
15: <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Right. It, if you lose those three things, you lost the fans, your teammates, and the coaching staff. Sounds like strike three what, to me. What else, what else is there? I three know. Stripes. And, and Kevin,
0: I, I was being I was being facetious about you know can they could they have whiffed. You know, a little bit of sarcasm in there. Maybe I didn't drip it with sarcasm enough. I mean, but look up the Jets. I mean, I think the only other team that has started more different quarterbacks is the Browns, I think, over like a certain amount of 10 years or whatever. I think it's just the Browns, and then it's the Jets. They can't seem to ever get it right.
15: No, they can't. And you look at some of these late first-round picks that are blossoming, whether it's a, a Jackson, um, you know, Mahomes wasn't late, but he was, I think, 10 or eleven. So you pass on all these quarterbacks that get taken. You could just go through. It would be a great show to do, like, let's just say the last 25 years of quarterbacks that have been drafted and the high picks and, you know, going to go with Dilfer. I mean, you could just list so many of them if you just pulled out the books. How about
0: Brock Purdy, ready to lead the the 49ers to the NFC championship game? Mr. Irrelevant. That's, That's right. He's even shaving yet. He's so young. One of those things. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, and you got there's number two. a lot two. of
14: stories like that.
0: Right. And you got number two, Zach Wilson, who's going to be benched alongside Derek Carr in his final two games of his season. No thank you.
15: And, and some people want to bring Baker Mayfield here. Yeah. I mean, again, he no way. learn the playbook in two days and one no thing, but he was the number one pick.
0: Yeah. Forget so. Baker Mayfield here. No part of him. No way.
15: And he, he, he would be on his fourth team if he came here in how many seasons?
0: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Where's the Five? red flag on that? Isn't that a red flag?
15: Uh, a little
0: bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, thanks for the call there, Kevin. Appreciate it. Okay,
15: take
0: care. Uh, a little bit of a red flag, don't you think? Okay, let's go to a Paul in Central Islip. You're up on a fan, Paul. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Okay, I called. I want to wish you,
6: your family, and the whole WFAN people at work. And all the DJs.
0: oh thanks, Paul. Happy New Year to uh, you, too. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> you, too. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that was a great call. Happy New Year to everybody. But I'm going to be back two more times before that, so we don't have to start saying Happy New Year just yet. Let's go to Barry, who's in Manhattan. You're up on the fan.
7: Good morning, Daniel. How are you? Well done. Long-time listener. I usually call during the day, talk to Tiki, but I just had a call this morning. Oh, well, thank you. You just had had somebody on the phone a couple of minutes ago. Absolutely. I don't know what he's listening to. I have never heard
9: a Yankee fan complain about Steve Cohen spending.
0: I haven't. I've never experienced it. it. And this is, what, my my 16th hour in three days on this station. So, no.
9: Yeah, well, I I listen to everybody. I
7: I leave for work at 5 in the morning. I listen to the fan all day at work, going home. Yeah. I've never heard one bad comment from the Yankees about, uh, from a Yankee fan about Steve Mm Cohn. It's the best thing for baseball. It's the best thing in the world. It's got to force owners to to wake up and reinvest some of the money that they spend. It's ridiculous. Exactly. I just just wanted to say that. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Have a great day.
0: Thanks, Barry. You too. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. It, these these owners are crying poverty, and they're not reinvesting the money in their team. I, I, I don't feel bad. I just don't. If they need help, then maybe they should just sell the team if they can't figure it out. Well, I don't know. That Oakland A's owner, he would make quite a profit on his investment and get somebody in there that wants to be a part of it.
5: The Yankee fan side of this, Danielle, to me, as a Mets fan, who's in too many group chats with Yankee fans, <laughs> I don't think it's them being angry at Steve Cohen. I think it's more of a direction at their own front office saying, this guy's doing this. Why are we not doing this? And I think the best thing that happened to the Yankees is Steve Cohen because some of that pride sets in with Hal Steinbrenner and and that whole front office saying, Crosstown Rival, say what you want, little brother or not, they're making the moves that we're known for right Uh now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's, Anger at Steve Cohen. Right. It's anger at the whole situation. Right. But it definitely comes back to Mets fans, whether it be jealousy or vitriol, or my favorite comment of all time. Well, it doesn't matter. You guys aren't going to win anyway. Yeah. With no reasoning behind it. Yeah. Them just saying you're not going to win anyway. Yeah.
15: So the
0: call. So I got a tweet before somebody called in and said about they're they're hoping for a Subway Series or whatever, and uh, somebody I forget who it was tweeted earlier this morning. Yeah, there might be a Subway Series, but uh, the Yankees won't be in it. Like, like in other words, if it were to happen, the Mets would be there and the Yankees wouldn't be there. And I thought that was kind of kind of funny. And it's got a lot of—I'm I'm like, I'm ready to mute the conversations, like people arguing with each other. I don't, don't want to get involved in that.
5: Because <laughs> yeah, over the past—or I shouldn't say past, but in recent history, both of these teams are constantly falling short. Right? So it's not like—if yeah. you look at the actual recent history, they're a lot more alike— Especially, you know, the Mets haven't made the playoffs every single year like the Yankees do. Yeah, but they made a World Series more recently than the Yankees. Absolutely true. But Yankee fans don't want to hear it because you didn't no. win. And nothing matters because you, you didn't win and, and you stink. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. That's, that's exactly how it is. All right, we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, the next 15 minutes or so. So this is your last chance to get aboard. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. My name is Danielle McCartan. And everything, as you can see, is on the table, including... Is Steve Cohen's money ruining the game of baseball? Absolutely not. Hey, welcome back to the fam. My name is Daniel McCartan with you for the next couple seconds here. Uh, We have two calls on hold. I want to get to both of them because if you called up, you deserve to get on. However, I have to put you on a 30-second timer. That's it. So, Chris in Staten Island, your time starts now. Go ahead.
7: Hey, good morning, Daniel. Happy New Year to you and yours.
0: You too. Thank you.
7: 30-second timer real quick. Uh, Just want to make a quick point about the Mets. You tell me. I'll hang up if I'm uh, right or wrong. Um, Why does it feel like Scott Boris almost bullied Steve Cohen into this deal? I know, you know, we obviously heard the Giants deal fell through, and I feel like Boris called up Cohen while he was enjoying a nice cocktail in Hawaii and said, hey, listen, Steve, everything's falling apart with the Giants. Here's your move. And Steve being the billionaire, diehard hard Mets fan that he is, kind of jumped the gun a little bit. And why do I feel like now it's kind of – yeah, know, I got you. I ride. got you,
0: Chris. And thanks for that. And that was your timer here to go off. Uh, I, I would say uh, that's not the case simply because Steve Cohen called Carlos Correa, the missing piece. Okay. Next, uh, Tony and set Your time starts now, Tony, go ahead.
10: Hey, Danielle, big fan real quick. Thank I think you. if the Raiders cut
4: car
15: by the first of February, they only get 5 million towards the cap hit. So Five, I think that yeah. might happen.
0: Yeah. I Number think it was 5, 5.6. Yeah. Good.
15: You got it. Number two,
4: uh, Love Steve Cohen, what he's doing with the Mets. I'm yep. a huge Yankee fan. Can only wish how would do the same.
15: Yep. Take care. Enjoy your day. Thanks, Thank Tony, so for much. keeping
0: that very short. You had eight seconds left. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing with Yankee fans. You know, they, they look at what Steve Cohen's doing, and, and they long for the days of George Steinbrenner when he used to do, do that. When he brought CC Sabathia and A.J. Burnett and Mark Teixeira. they wanted the—I was going to say Super Bowl— when they won a World Series that year, 2009. Hey. Cashman and Steinbrenner said they're not done. So, hey, we've got to trust in them, right? So, thanks to all of the callers throughout the night. Could not have done this without you. And I love coming here and talking to you. If you missed any portion of today tonight's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature. It's free. Select to start a show, 2 a.m. Pete Kennedy, awesome two nights. You're great. And uh, also to Kevin Dexter on the updates and to Seth Cantor as well. And I will see you in this same shift tomorrow, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. After Midnight has returned. That'll be the third and final installment of it, actually, of this work week. Um, In the meantime, social media, I'm always available. And the morning show with Jerry and Sal in for Boomer and Geo is up next, right here on WFAN
3: Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WFAN.